All right, folks, welcome back to this podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. It's a podcast about being alone with your own thoughts. And I'm your host, two-time wrestling champ, stand-up comedian, Jared Waters. And I have a special guest, ladies and gentlemen, Average Joey, a.k.a. Joey Leonard. How are you, sir? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Thank you, sir, for having me. So if um, we are we are in Connecticut. We are in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, doing some shows with Joey. Joey's uh, his first time headlining, right? Yeah, that was he fun, freaking man. crushed this weekend, which is dope. Dope seeing him on stage. I met you through my friend Cam Bertrand. You did, you did. I'm glad I met you through Cam. Yeah, man, it's been a good time. But what we want to do is, because we've been talking backstage and we're talking here, such a philosophical person, we want to go back to how we got to the Joey now. Oh. Let's go back to the beginning. Where are you from? What's your What's your hometown? Where did you exit and enter this world? Man, you know, it's a weird one. Um, I was born in Germany. My parents were in the Army. Oh, cool. Yeah, they were in the Army. I was born in Germany, and I moved to the United States. Um, I think I moved my mom, my real mom. And we can say whatever here. It's all good. Anything, yeah. Yeah, because I'm not embarrassed by anything. I'm about no, to no, say. No, no, you can say anything. Okay, cool. I'm not going to curse. I'm gonna you try can not curse. To, you can say whatever. I'm going to try you know. not to for your sake. <laughs> Dude, you really impressed me this weekend, man. I got, I got, you know, I know this is a podcast and it's going to go on your thing, but and I try not to eat people's cheese, so Eat to speak. people's cheese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Is that mine? That no, your? it's all good. Go ahead. Yeah, it was like a little bit echo. That's cool. But I was trying not to, you know, you know the term. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and kiss kiss somebody's butt or whatever. But when you see somebody that, or if you meet somebody for the first time ever, um, I, not everybody's like this. I pride myself on being acceptable or accepting of any person that comes in front of me mm-hmm. as far as their mind. I don't just shell them off. I don't care how they look. I want to know how they talk, right? And when I say that, I mean like from the smallest level to a homeless person on the street to it could be any highest CEO of any company, uh, your favorite rapper, your actor, your uh, rock star, any, I don't care who it is, I'm going to talk to you the same way. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna right. to see exactly who you are without you even telling me you're trying. And you don't put up any fronts. And I know it's about me. I'm telling you that. I'm not gonna curse as best I can because I respect you and I love you, dude. You're a you're a you're a great dude. I met you and I can't praise you enough for just um. Some comics they want to badge protect, man. They don't want to they don't want to show you that that ticket. They really want you to fail, you know, because yeah. they wanna they wanna be the ones, man. They wanna yeah. be the ones that break off next, man. They wanna be the ones that are the next big thing. Um, being on stage and talking about it afterwards are two different things. You said something a second ago, philosophical. Whew. I like to get deep in thought. I like to get stupid on my entertainment. You know, I dumb it down a lot. Um, I'll figure that part out maybe on this way here. I'm brand new, but, yeah, but watching what, you it's move. That's what Jay-Z said. Jay-Z said sometimes you got to dumb down the message so people can get it. Yeah, well, I don't want to insult anybody like that. But at the same time, you know, I'm I'm a dude that, like, I like to smoke, you know, weed and crap right. like that and stuff. And I like to uh, connect through stories of such and relatable instances and things like that. So I'm not the typical joke teller. Right. So when I get on stage... It for, for me is like um, not that they we're even talking about this right now. It's, it's a different thing for me to be up there. So to watch you, because you're a storyteller also. Yes. This is just my opinion, but you have good jokes that you put in your stories that I need to adapt or adopt. You know, not adapt, but adopt those type of ways. Because I was watching you and Cam both work last night, and obviously both of you guys outworked me in my opinion. And that's just, hey, I know you, you smiling because you don't want nobody to say that type of shit to you. you know, like or crap. I'm saying, God. Dude. You can punch me. That was the first one. All right, we're going to write them down, and I'm going to give you a, a dollar for every one I do. <laughs> All right. But you know what I'm saying, though? You don't want, you, like, you, you uh, what was I saying right before? But, uh, but um, that comes with time, though. What you're, yeah. You're, you I do try to rush things. Right. Sometimes, not even to rush anything. It's just sometimes with time, you, can, you can't you can compare. I, I, I'll say this reference. My friend, his name is 
uh, Brian McKenna. He opens up for Jim Brewer, right? Yeah, I know, who, I know who that is. So Jim Brewer takes him to the show, and Brian McKenna's looking at all these comedians crush, and he's like saying something, and Jim Brewer goes, stop, that's 25 years worth of killing. He goes, that's 25 years of it. So what you're looking at, you're looking at like seven or eight years. You're looking at everything else. So when you're looking at the beginning, you can't compare how you start. Yeah. You know, because you're starting off to a great start. When we started, we didn't have sold out shows. Yeah. So you're starting out and you're working. You're starting out filling time. That's a good thing. You know, you're starting out as a draw, as a ticket. Yeah. You know, you can't. Yeah. People can hate on it, but at the same time, it's just like you're helping people out, you know. Yeah. And no your heart is it. pure. When your heart is pure, that. But let's get back to how we got this heart pure. Yeah. So you're from Germany. What part of no, Germany? I'm not Ramstein? from Germany. I mean, I'm not you're from there. You're born I grew there. Up, yeah, I born there. I was. We can I hear grew the up. accent. We know you're not from Germany. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Uh, what is that? The the Rhineland Fault or something? Launchstuhl Rhineland yeah. or Launchstuhl Germany? Yeah, whatever it is. I can't remember the exact name, but my my, my parents were both in the army over there. Um, my real mom, she's a less than desirable person. You know what I'm saying? And maybe one day she'll see me or hear me on stage. Maybe she's dead. I don't honestly know, bro. Like it's you never just, no memories of your mother at all. Um, I vaguely have memories, horrible memories. You know, like things. She was an actual lady that you know. And I don't like to put her on blast, um, knowing that I would never want somebody to put me on blast, right? Um, for my deficiencies. But the fact that I haven't talked to her in so long, and the only time that she's ever tried to make it right, so to speak, is through email when I was 23. You got to think, this lady was an, a woman that cheated on my father. Right. Um, she freaking did a lot of drugs and stuff like that. She's running around different states with me and my kids. She left off and dipped off, you know, from my dad with us. And we went to Washington, California, Arizona, and all these places. And that's pretty much where we ended up at, living in the pay-by-the-week hotels and all that stuff, you know? Does your dad leave the military? So Yeah, he did. How many years did your dad serve? My dad, I think he was in for about five or six. Same for me. You know What's what your mean? earliest remembrance of? Him being in the Army? None of that. I just basically remember What's my What's your earliest mom. remembrance? Let's go to earliest remembrance of life. Of Are you life? from a big family, small, small family? Small family, small family. I, I, this is me and my brother out here, man. Like, you got some cousins, but they're, you know, they're my dad's uh, people. And I do rock with my, with my cousin Lauren and my cousin Petey a little bit when I see them, but no... Uh, no, my, my my first remembrance of life, bro, is Arizona. Like, that's it for me because I've done a lot of drugs, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I didn't do no cocaine or no, no crack, I mean, myself. I didn't shoot anything up. Right. Um, but I have snorted a lot of cocaine and crap like that. I haven't done it in a long time. And we, mm -hmm. I vaguely described to you the last time I did it when we were in the green room. Right. Um, that was actually when I started believing in God. But um, throughout my life, I, I feel like I've dropped off a lot of memories because I've wanted to. Wow. You know what I mean? On purpose because... Once Are you again, blocking out trauma? Are you blocking out I don't think it's things? trauma uh, because I don't necessarily, I can't call it trauma because if, if you were to call it trauma, that's like a filling out a form at a doctor's office, right? Okay, yeah. So let me explain myself, what I mean by that. And I'm, this is, I'm going to get a little deep and I, don't, I know you're going to accept it, but some people might be like, this dude's a little bit weird. No, but not on this podcast. Nobody it's... is, I, can't, I, I really harp on this. I've probably said it a million times, if not two million. We don't choose our existence. We don't choose if we're going to be handicapped, if we're going to be full capacity. We don't choose if we're going to live in a fortunate situation, a less unfortunate situation. Right. We, we would like to think that we have control over ourselves and our existence, but we don't choose these things, right? Um, and, and I don't even know what I was getting at with that. Shoot, man, I'm all over the place. But basically, <laughs> you, well, you asked me, because it's, it's a really important thing to understand your existence in any case, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was talking about doing the the drugs or whatever the crap and all that stuff. But what was I saying right before? You're that? Talking we about need to turn this TV off because you're looking. <laughs> I got a bad case of ADD. I'm looking straight at you. It's right behind <laughs> you, and that is the worst. So I got to find that. All right, we let's turn this. Turn 
I got I got it right here actually. Yeah, I got it, man. That was the worst. I literally looking at that talking to you. I can't see nothing. Squirrel, what were you talking about? Dang, it was really deep. I swear it wasn't a lie. No, um You're talking about your existence because you grew up in Arizona. Right, right. So I don't feel out I don't want to I don't want to fill out that paperwork as trauma. I don't want to feel it out as trauma. I feel it out as life experience. Because if we were to walk into a doctor's office, you and I, two different mm-hmm. people, and fill out that same exact form to give us that tag. Is he post-traumatic or is he had a hard life or has he done anything? It's all going to be based on whatever information we put down, how we perceive it, how we right. saw it, how we lived through it. Too many people come up through the struggle, so to speak, right, mm-hmm. and make it past certain things. Self-demise is probably the biggest thing amongst a goal-getter. When I say a goal-getter, I didn't say go-getter. I said a goal-getter, somebody who goes and gets goals. Somebody who does that doesn't care about where they came from any circumstance because they can look at somebody else that is in existence right now that has had it way worse and it doesn't need to be talked about. I can literally look at every kid in Haiti that has AIDS or Smallio or uh, all these less than fortunate places and, and, and like, why did God give them that life? Right. But he gave me my life to be so loud and so obnoxious and to learn all these things. Same for you. Why did he give us this life to be uh, a comedian or a construction worker? Because I'm, I'm positive you're, you're a school teacher. Right. You don't just do comedy. That's a connection with you in the universe, but you're literally teaching America, like the kids that are going to be the the salt of the earth type people, you know, and they're going to learn from whatever you transpire to them from your existence and your perception of everything. Okay. Right. Right. And so whatever your tag is, I don't, I don't think I block out the trauma. You know what I mean? I don't think, I think that I accept it and it's not really trauma in my eyes because I never was like beat as a kid. My dad used to beat my ass all the time. He did do that, so I can't say that I wasn't beaten, but he was. that was part of his life. You know, he just well, would get mad, discipline us. You right. know, it wasn't like he was fucking doing, hitting me with a tire iron or something like that, and that was number two. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm tracking him. We're doing okay right now, bro. Yeah, we're, we're doing do, good. We're doing okay. Um, but, like, so what, say say somebody like, who's who? let me ask you a question. Let me turn okay. it around just once, and I wanna, okay. I'll, I'll get right back on to the answering your stuff. Um, who's somebody that you know in your life right now mm-hmm. that has been very like traumatized, so to speak, by the paper term when we fill that out, but they're they're killing life right now. Do you know somebody? I don't care if it's your stepbrother, your mom, somebody important, somebody that you really read a book about. Do you know somebody out there that has explained their 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 beginning and then it's just so relatable? Have you have you ever I do know uh, someone. Who? Uh she was uh my ex girlfriend. She went through a lot of trauma when she got married and everything else, and now she's a legit registered nurse. Yeah, has a daughter, everything else, and she lives to tell her story. Right, and her story helps other people. Right, and that's good for you that's to transpire good. that story. But what I'm saying is not just the trauma. My thing is what we do on this podcast is we want to see the time capsule of you. So imagine your grandkids, right? Yeah. Imagine this: if yeah. your grandkids, uh, imagine your grandparents having their intimate thoughts in the 21st century. Yeah, because something like. I feel like our grandkids, they disconnected from like, they've come from a sheltered lifestyle, so they don't tell that stuff. So my thing is, if you had your great, your kids, 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 and they're wondering like, who was Joey Leonard? Yeah. This is from the beginning. This is how we got to the middle. This is how we got to the end. So the gyms, we're going to keep doing the gyms. But like, what was your childhood like? Like, not even the trauma, just like, what was it yeah, like growing so up with a brother? Like, what was basically, that like? Basically, man, so, so, so like, it, it, it living, all comes back to the same thing, because my life has been a constant... Um, it's been a constant 
like fireball, dude. You know, let's go start at five. Let's start at five. Like, right, who was five. the first friend you ever made? That was my brother, man, my real brother, dude. We never really had friends because we caught, constantly caught ourselves in situations because we lived in the pay by the week hotels with my mom and stuff, right? And she was doing walk, dope. Walk us through what those hotels are for the people. Who a don't pay know. by the week hotel, obviously, you know the the homes, the hometown suites, and all the places that you pay by the week. It's efficiency lodge is what it is, basically. Mm-hmm. It's less than desirable. People go there. Some people that really need to be there go there. They exist for a reason, but you always find yourself in those places when you are doing bad stuff. You have bad credit. You don't have freaking um, people around you that will support you and say, you can come live in my house. You may have a drug problem. This may be where your safe space to go release and do your drug problem. Mm -hmm. This was that case for my mother, but she had two kids, and she took us along for the ride. So far back as I can remember, five. Where was your dad? Did you ever wonder? He was looking like, for us. I? He was looking for us the whole time, dude. So she da- took off with us. So dad was in the military. Yeah. In the army. Yeah. His step, your stepmom was in the army as well. No, that was my real mom. So your real mom's in the army. Mm-hmm. She just leaves. She just takes us and dips. They have problems. They have issues. She Got has a it. drug problem. But do you know as a child? Do you know what's going on? Are you kind of like? No, I have no clue, man. But I well, I, I can't lie because the day that she we. The day that it all ended, like it, there was a week there, a whole week, as far back as I can remember. I don't have a lot of memories with her. I remember stealing food from the store mm. to eat because she was never there at the place. I mean, and, wow. and I'm not just saying that so people, oh, he was dead. It's so bad. No, tons of other people don't even eat for days. Some some people aren't going to go to the store and steal it. My brother would sit right here, and you could look at the, both of her faces and tell you this is real. And that's why I love the fact that we can move through life with such quote unquote trauma, but it doesn't hold us back. It actually fuels us to go forward and, and to be a better person because. The only existence that I have is a childhood memories is living with my mom and then moving with my dad. We haven't talked about that part yet because I got I moved out when I was fifteen. I got kicked out. Okay. And I and I did, so I live with my parents. Was we're gonna get there. We're gonna get yeah. It was it was this it was this weird thing. So being five and your brother's six and you're going to preschool and all the things and and stealing food from the store to eat and like we were eating canned beans and and stuff like that. No home cooked meals. No nothing like that. Nobody around us. No aunts. No uncles. Nobody. Just out there just living with some drug addict mom. Doing dope, banging, and she was actually being like a prostitute, you know, like wow. selling it and doing this stuff in front of us. And Jeez, yeah, all the way in front of us, man. And then she would leave. So it was Christmas Eve, right? Okay. Christmas Eve. This is right before that. Um, one instance that led up to that that moment was, um, well, now let's just get straight to that because this is kind of the last little bit of a time I remember seeing with her. Mm-hmm. But it was Christmas. It was two days before Christmas. She left us at the daycare. She left us at the daycare because she was high as hell out of her mind. Left us at the daycare. We have to go home with the daycare director because the daycare director, they don't, she don't want to call the police. Right. She's like doing my mom a, a service. Well, my mom comes and gets us the next day. The police are waiting on her because she, she didn't, you know what I mean? Like she didn't, she just took, you know, took it upon herself to come when she wanted. And freaking, she got us and then they kind of kept her eye, an eye on her, you know, following her around and stuff like that. As far as I can remember. I don't know if that was the exact details on how they got her. Um, I know that that night we created... Uh, a big problem because it was Christmas Eve. Me and my brother were in the uh, efficiency lodge by ourselves. She was out and about doing her thing. And I remember we, we looked out, in the, like it was kind of like this right here. The efficiency, we were like on the third, fourth floor. But you could look out in the city of Phoenix and see people had like ornaments on their stuff. Like this one dude had Santa Claus like on top of his roof. Mm-hmm. It was a fake one, a figurine. And we literally saw it and we were like, dude, he's right there. He's right there. Just basic childhood stuff, you know. We're like, he's right there, and he's going to come here. But he doesn't come. He never leaves. So we literally, as children, are not, I'll never forget. This is a vivid uh, you know, our vivid memory. We looked at each other, and we're like, he's not coming because we've been bad. Mm-hmm. We've been stealing food and stuff. We've been uh, fighting and, and, and just going and breaking in the pool when we're not supposed to and, and all this other stuff, man. And we're like, we're, our mom's doing drugs. Like We're thinking this, and we're talking about it. So we're very conscious. And, yes, I'm a kid. 
but life and what you know about kids. Have you ever met a kid and be like, your kid's really smart. You relate to him. Second thought, that kid's probably been through some things. Not that he's a genius, a kid genius. His brain, our brains, we are literally tools of the earth that created by this, this, this God, right? To, to, if we're not handicapped, I hate, I, you know what I'm saying? I hate to say that, but some people don't get this life, right? right. To, to think and create and to do different things. Uh, b- bottom line is, and it's, what was I getting at with that? I'm sorry. You're telling us how, uh, how you guys saw Santa Claus. And you didn't You're right, you right, were... right. And, and we're freaking out because he's not coming. You know what I'm saying? And so we get bored. Santa Claus don't come. And it's like the night's over. It's like three in the morning, Christmas Day. She's still not home. We're, we take out knives out of the, out of the little thing because they put little knives in there and stuff. Like it's a whole little kitchenette in there. We take out knives and we're just throwing them at the wall, right? And sticking them into the wall, trying to get them to stick. My brother grabs like this really big one. And I'm like, I stuck my knife into the wall. So I went to go grab it out of the wall and he launches his knife, like throws it as far as he can. And it bounces off, ding, ding, off the refrigerator or something. Didn't hit the wall. And it hit my foot. And if I pull my sock off and you see I got this crazy little scar out of my foot, I almost cut my toe off. Mm. No parents around. I'm screaming bloody murder. Blood everywhere. My brother's freaking out. The people next door come out and they're like, what's going on? And we're like, it's this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to call the ambulance. Mm. Ambulance come. Police come. Where's your mom? Mom's not there. So they wait like hours. The sun comes up, right? This B-word pulls in. And like nothing ever going on. And then tries to be like, oh my God, I was just running to the store. And we we're like, no, 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 no. You weren't just running to the store, lady. So they take her to jail. DFACs have been looking for us, man. Wow. DFACs have been looking for us. Child services, whatever. And because and my dad had been searching for us. And when they found us, you know, all the little things happened. And I don't know if we're inspired there as a kid. I've talked about it afterwards and learned a lot of this stuff. So I'm actually talking kind of in third person, but while I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, we went with him. We flew to Birmingham. You know, and I was five, and my brother was six, and we moved to uh, Marietta, Georgia. Did uh, did as your brother's the oldest? Mm-hmm. Eighteen mar- months older. So, like, was he the the big brother? Was he, he always was, protecting you? We were always protecting each other, man. We everything okay. we did, we did it together. We were probably the closest of brothers I can think, like best friends. You know, like mm-hmm. I see it happen with other people, and typically it's because of those situations to where you're out there fending for yourself, and that's the other guy's the person you know. He's your, he's your, he's your, he's the guy you know. This is the kid you you all in the same room. You grew up with him, you know him. You know what I mean? It's just, you're obviously his nature. And he probably is like, man, I heard my best friend, my best friend's toes about the, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 of course. Um, he was really upset about it, actually. But uh, but when we moved to my dad, we grew up similar. Walk me through, like, when your dad picks you up. What's that like? What's that feeling like? Do you remember, like, that I don't day? know what he looks like or anything. I remember he had these weird yellow shoes on, these little moccasins, you know, like the leather ones. that They're moccasins. They were, like, yellow leather. And um, he had those on, and he had this, like, little bomber jacket, like an Air Force jacket with, like, some some fuzz on it or whatever. It was really cold. And um, we flew into Birmingham, and, and right when I got the plane, I'll, I'll never forget, I did something stupid. Like, I literally, like, put my head into this garbage can, like, looking in it, like, just to see what it was in it. And you know why I did that, though? Food. And it, yeah. Yeah. What an embarrassing moment as a kid. You don't even know you're doing it, but my dad sees me do it. And he's like, what the hell? We show up, we have tape, scotch tape, holding our shirts together. There's no buttons. Wow. Right, right? And so I'm not trying to make this sound so dramatic and so bad, but I'll never forget. Hell, he, I remember his face. He was like, holy shit. That's the third one. Can't believe they look like this. What's going on? But he was so happy. He scooped us up, man. My Uncle Craig was there. Everybody was there. We went home. We had a big party. Big party, man. My dad was my, uh, my dad at the time, but I didn't really understand exactly what was happening and i'll never forget the phone call my mother said i'll be there to pick you up at the end of the in the summer right you know where it's going to go into the summer it's going to be i'll pick you up at the end of the summer we're like all right that's cool 
And then life for me was, for the longest time, was when is she coming back? Wow. When, when is she coming back, man? I know I got the stepmom, but she's fucking mean to me. That's four. Really mean to me. Mean, like? Like mean, like, would go as far as to call me a fat ass. That's five. Wow. Um, she deny it. They used to get drunk a lot. And now these are issues I have I have to work out because I told you some of the stuff I did to these people, man. I freaking on their anniversary, dude. Like I haven't talked to my dad in like a year. Not talked to any of them like a year, but I I went longer times than that. I moved out when I was fifteen. I got kicked out, you know, um, because I wasn't playing by his rules. What? So when you do you feel like when you leave mom's house or mom's, you leave this this hotel and you go to dad's house? Mm-hmm. Initially, you're happy. Uh, it was something new. Something new, and then you realize, like, oh snap, Dad's house is completely. He's got a lot of discipline. He's a freaking former drill instructor and stuff like that, a PODC instructor. Do you feel like he was raising a soldier or raising sons? I think he was doing what he could at the time to cope with what, what he had, you know, because they didn't plan to have two sons. They were just in the army, like living it up, like you know what soldiers do. You know, what right. I mean, like we're just out there living, and then they. My brother, you know, they got married and stuff like that. This is stuff I heard, obviously. She wrote me this huge, long email, man, where I got most of the information from because I actually asked my dad, like, what's this? Is this real? And I could tell by the way he answered to that some of it was and some of it wasn't. I chose to decipher and address certain things. But a lot of this stuff I've just let go um, because I'm real big on mental health and I'm starting to discover that it's coming back to me and that it's the reason for a lot of different things that I've done. I don't even know how to balance a a checkbook. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how to... uh, to do a lot of things, I can tell you what I can do. I can work hard. I know how to hustle, like period. I can I can hustle. I know how to fight. Um, I don't know how to love a woman, right? That's weird, right? Like I know how to get her. Like I know how to get them. That's not weird. That's not. I can weird. get them. I've been divorced twice, but I don't think that I'm supposed to be this guy, right? I don't think I'm supposed to be married for forty years with eight kids and this big huge family and this cool story of this guy's just this such great father, right? Yeah, I mean, you write your own destiny, you right. know? You write your own destiny. You're pretty sure that your kids think you're a great father. They do. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's come, that's, that's uh, come with the the whole thing. And that, that's where I say I just try to, like, throw it all away, you know? Just get rid of it and just keep going fresh. Keep going new. But, once again, it keeps coming back up. So, you're at your dad's house. We're in Alabama. Who's more the rebel? We're, you in, or your... we're in Georgia. Georgia, so we Georgia. So, who's there. more the rebel, you or your brother? Me, obviously. But my brother is uh, strategic about it. Break that down for me. All right. He's more what? He's more. He graduates He's high smarter. school. I didn't graduate high school. He he was when we went to the army. He went to the army a little bit after me. I was regular infantry. He he signed up with the Rangers. Okay. He, he passed with this crazy ASVAB score. He's just a really sound dude, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also like me in a lot of other aspects. So I would say he's me times more. But he's a little bit. He's a little more professional. He doesn't. He's not quick to say screw it, you know, like just. Screw it. Screw it. I'll do it myself. It's well, a deflection in any case. If your brother's 16 months, seven, 18 months, 18, months, 18. So what was it like when he found out you got kicked out the house? Walk us through what you got kicked out for. What were you doing? All right, was so, it you and dad bumping heads so much? Well, oh, yeah, man. You know, big time. I, 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 that's when I, I started smoking weed when I was 11. Right? Where did you find it? How did you walk well, us through a that? A buddy, a buddy, a buddy that, you know, his mom had it. And we got to go to their house. And they had it in the ashtray. And they didn't really hide it at their house. It's just like, okay. don't tell nobody, right? And they had an ashtray. We stole it. Went to the wood and smoked it like a cigarette. Some southern stuff, yeah. Tried to inhale it, you know, <laughs> coughing, dying. And the next thing you know, I was like, we were laughing, and it was uncontrollable. And I was like, I, I love this. I love this stuff. I did it for the longest time. I did it my whole entire life. I quit when I was in the army for a little bit, right? But then I eventually started smoking it again in the army. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> so, so we're talking. We're talking about. 
You and your, you're at your dad's house. Yeah. You guys are bumping heads. You're a teenager. Yeah, I'm, I'm just doing all the wrong things. You, you know, just what I'm started smoking weed for the first time at eleven. At eleven, but even through there, I would come home late. Uh, but he, but the whole time, I'm coping and dealing, man, because. And this is just me explaining it to you now. This is not an excuse for anything. I'm just kind of explaining. But I'm coping and dealing with life. You know, I'm always thinking about my mom. I thought about her until I was, like, in Iraq mm. at 19. Like, that's a long time to go, like 12 whole years. You know, like like 13 whole years. So even as a teenager, you're crying. I'm always thinking, like, where is this mother freaker, man? Where is she at, dude? Don't, Why? don't hear from her at all. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all, man. And um, And my dad was a drunk. Just a drunk. Just a flat-out drunk, man. A working drunk or just... A working drunk. Exactly what I'm doing. I told you last night you that know. I... Not, bro. I, you don't even know me like the, the things that I've shown you because we, right. you've actually gotten more of me as a real person. Mm-hmm. If you'd have met me that night, that last time that I had something to drink, um, I was... Like, that was it for me. I had to meet you guys. All this lined up for me to stop doing that. I, mean, I, just, I didn't quit drinking totally. Right. I just... I'm not doing it anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying I quit, but I'm not doing it no more, cause it's in the it's in the way. My pops was a dude that drank all the time, and we come home and the grades weren't right, the rooms weren't clean. He tossed our bedroom, the socks weren't rolled up. He'd beat the crap out of us, dude. The belt. Oh man, we gave him a lot of reasons. He was a good dad as far as providing for us, right. but he was a very disciplined dude. Like, cause he was in the army number one. He drank a lot, and he was raising us the only way that he knew how. Right. And that was our, li- you know, that was our circumstance. That was how we lived. Now, my brother learned how to stay out of trouble. I was just dumb and would go into a head first. So I got a lot more butt whoopings, you know? Yeah. And Second child usually gets it. That's what I am. Yeah, right. So, so when I came home, so we had a friend got killed on a four-wheeler. Mm. Well, she was a good friend of ours. I was actually a pallbearer at her funeral. And she was on a four-wheeler with another guy, and the, the brakes were out on the four-wheeler. And, you know, they ran out on the road and they got hit by a car on an accident. It was an accident, complete accident. Just something that just it happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And my dad had said something out of line. I pulled up to the house and said, "Hey, pops, we're gonna go to the to the hospital to see Booga." You know, uh, he, you know they wrecked that four-wheeler and Desiree got killed. He was drunk, and he said, "And he'll have to eat these words one day, especially if he ever hears this podcast, because he'll never want to own up to any of this stuff. But he's gonna have to, because I have to own up to everything I have to." Own up. Right. He says, I won't tell you what he said because I don't want him to do that right now. That's I'll let him figure it out. He, he said something really horrible right then, right? And so I say to him, man, what the, fr-? you know, I'm, I'm cussing him out. You're not going to take your drunk butt back inside. Blah, 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 blah. I'm 15. I'm just the same size as I am right now. Mm-hmm. He beat my butt so much that that day, and I'd already gotten into fights with grown men at the mud hole, like four of them, and didn't tell him about it, and won the fights. And so I was, my confidence was through the roof. Pops ain't going to talk to me like this no more. He ain't going to do me like this no more. He damn sure ain't going to do that's number six in front of anybody. Right. And I was like, I'm done with it. So, I, you know, I, I kind of pushed him. I said something. And then we went up. He chased me up the steps. And he's like, blah, 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 yelling at me and all this. And you're going to get out of my house if you don't like my rules. So I start packing the duffel bag. His duffel bag from the Army, right? And I, and, I, and I packed that duffel bag and I left. I left. I cut across the backyard. I went downstairs. He was standing in my way. He said, you ain't going nowhere, boy. I pushed him out the way. And then I went down the back steps, hopped the fence, and took off. He stood on the back porch. He's drinking a beer. I'll never forget looking her back at him. Last time I looked back at him, ever. Mm. Any other time I see him, it's from the front. I'm coming in, you know what I mean? Like, But that's the last time I ever looked back at him. And he was like, see you, boy. Don't ever come back. Wow. This is a man that never threw the baseball with me. Mm. This is a dude that never taught me how to fight. 
I watched him fight a couple times. I watched him work hard. But while I'm bashing my dad, because I want to circle back around here, okay? This is this is me with a, with a nice landing, because I just gave you that turbulence ride. I just bashed my parents, okay? My dad did everything he could do in his existence, in his full consciousness, his best decision-making process to do the things that he did. He never really hurt me other than the physical pain of when he was disciplining me. But every single time he put his hands on me, I deserved it. I hate to say that, but, like, I did something way out of line, dude. Some, I think sometimes as military people, that's what I thought. I used to, I used to think the same thing about my dad. Like, I got all these beatings, and now yeah. I think about it, I was like, I deserved it. A lot of them, man, because I I, you that. do stuff, dude. Like, man, one time he had brand new pants, bro. Simple brand new pants, man. Dockers. Like, like, and I wanted to be a skateboarder, a cool kid. They all cut the bottoms of their pants off and they and they fray them up, man. You know, and so I took his brand new Dockers and I did it. And yeah. I lied. Yeah, that's. A- I lied about it. I used to lie all the time, like all the time. I still we're, we're comedians now. We get to, we get paid to lie. Mm-hmm. We just don't we, we don't you don't have to lie actually lie to people anymore. You just wait to do it on the stage and make people laugh. But I used to lie all the time as a deflection, and so I I created a, a relationship with my dad to where he didn't trust me. Mm. And so where I'm where I'm bashing him, I was I was not a good kid. You can blame my dad for not raising me the correct way, but your conscience, do, do you wake up in the morning ever and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go kill a white family today for some rank in a gang? Have you no. ever had that thought go through your head? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, so as, as, if you asked me the same question, if I was going to do this, to do this, to become a gang member, if I if you were Mexican and I said, hey, you're going to go kill a white family today, because they do stuff like that. They say you got to go kill somebody that doesn't deserve it and get away with it, and then you're promoted into the gang, right? Mm-hmm. People wake up and they say, this is what I'm going to do today. Right. You got a conscience? I do. You thank God for that, right? I do. A lot of people don't have those. So to gain one of those in life, some people have them instilled them. I don't know psychology. A lot of people that pay attention to stuff like that, they claim to know things, they got degrees and stuff like that. It's simple with me, dude. If you have a conscience and you're able to maneuver through things and get past things like that, then you do have to thank God for that type of stuff because I, what was I getting at? Because my pops, I'm, I'm, I want to think, about I'm going back to him right in thought while I'm talking, but... I don't want to bash him too much because. Well, you're not bashing him. It's just, this is just your story. So when your ki- when your grandkids listen, this is just how you were raised. It's not. It's not to bash. Some anybody. things don't need to be talked about. Correct. though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand that. Right. So it's this is your story. Your right. story. You're the narrative of your story. Right. You're but the protagonist in your story. A lot of the times, though, like I was saying, is I was just a piece of crap kid. Like I did a lot of stuff, you know. And then I circled back around. and I said, "You can blame that on my parents." And then I went to the whole our whole thought. Or process. you can blame it on yourself too. The you way can you blame do. it on ourselves. You can blame it on. This and this is what it really comes down to. So you believe in God, right? Yeah, I do. So when you left, when you left, where did you go? At fifteen, you pack up. I went to friends' house, man. I went to friends' house. I went to the first place that I knew I could go, Mm -hmm. where they wouldn't ask me anything. As a buddy that didn't have parents, he grew up. He's already growing up in a rough life. Just staying with his aunt, right? Go and chill with him. What did she say when you got in the house? Come on in, honey. Really? Yeah, no big deal. She understood. She's already at this point in her life where she understood everything. Now I go. And I wear out my welcome there because I stay there too long. And I have to start. She wanted to talk to my parents. Like She actually wanted to know at this, after a certain amount of time. Like, what's going on? So I moved to the next spot. And I'm lying to these people. All my parents are out of town. All this. And it doesn't sound. Back in the day, it's a little different. Nowadays, everybody's checking on their kids. They're checking right. things. We Double used to stay text. out till freaking. Hey, you know what I mean? street lights. Oh, my God. Everything. Just, you used to be like, I'm over here. But you're really not. You're over there. You know, they couldn't find you. There's no location, services, or technically. Freaking! I'm, I'm getting way ADD on. So it. you, so you left your your friend's house and you're going to another friend's mm-hmm. house. And what what and happens? I there? did that probably Over, about four times, maybe five times. On the fifth time, what happens after that? Where do you go again? Somebody says to me that they want to talk to my dad. 
Like, that, this is not going to be any more of this couch surfing. Like, I need to talk to your dad. If you're not going to live at home with him, I need to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they did. I had got my buddy uh, Bobby, the Bove, um, rest in peace. Um, his dad, I, w- I was walking through the hall one day, and freaking I was just explaining my story to my buddy Justin. And I was like, man, you know, I can't I can't stay at this dude Rob's house anymore. His dad's trying to talk to my parents and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And Bobby was behind me, and he was like, hey, MFR. And I turned around, and I was like, what? And he was like, you can stay at my house. And I was like, what? True story. Everybody's a bunch of people around and hurt. I was like, what? So I, I come to his house that afternoon. And then his dad works at nights. So this dude took it upon his conscience to help me out. We were going to sneak this. His dad works nights. I sleep. I get up. I go to school. But nobody says nothing. Right. Give me a place to stay. Well, his dad finds out I'm there. His dad would love to tell you the story because he's got a, he goes in. Because he's just super proud of me now, you know, because he saw this, right? Um, He freaking lets me stay there for like a year or two, you know? Oh, wow. And I just lived there. And then I moved out one time right before I went to the Army. I went to the Army. I signed up when I was 17. And then when I actually left and went to the Army, um, that was it, man. It was the takeoff for me. Let's dude. go before we get to the Army. What's high school like? Did you play football in high school? Are you a I sport did, type I of did, dude? I did. I did the football and the wrestling. Um, that was in oh, the wrestling. Me too. Yeah, until I got in trouble. I got in trouble. I started running out of the wrong crowd. I ended up quitting when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Went back for like four months, and then I turned 16, and I quit again. You know, I got kicked out the second time. They were just done with it. How did you feel, um, especially growing up in the South with sports, with like coaches? Do you feel like that discipline was completely different than your father's, or did you same, not, same? Did you not? Was it not receptive because it was the same as your father's? It's the same. They just they say the same things. Hey, dumbass, and a seven, um, stuff like that. But I didn't care about that stuff. I like tough love. I like it. I think right. it's. I think it's. I think it's it is the the meat and the potatoes of my mentality of why I'll get in front of a stage and I've only been doing it so long and I don't try to pull my own horn on that I do every now and then but real life you know a year ago one year ago I told you that on the stage I was doing drywall and wallpaper and stuff but like that's I, courage is, it comes it comes from yeah a lot of people don't have it it, it comes well I, I I went you know I got in trouble in the army and stuff I. I've been less than honorable or less than courage or anything like that, but to, to step out of a messed up situation that you know you created for yourself, mm-hmm. it's just some really horrible thing well, that people can judge. <clears throat> you have to bounce back from. Yeah, that's that's the whole the whole redemption is everything. Redemption yeah. is everything. Let's let's go to the army. So you're 17. Do you go to prom or no? I did go to prom, but I went when I was 15. Who'd you go with? A senior. She was just she just I just she took me. You know, she was really nice. She just took me. And uh, it was pretty fun. Problem was, I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty fun. We took ecstasy, but <laughs> I mean, it was fun. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to down that down anything. That was what we did, and it was it was a good time though. But I went to prom. But what you said something about going into the army. So you so you finish you drop out of high school. or You finish mm-hmm. high school early. I dropped out of high school, man. Yeah, I was done with that. I still well, got me a like job framing houses. So as you're leaving and and staying at your friend's house, does your dad ever check in on you? No, nah, I don't talk to him for nine months. Nine months, but do you think he's asking around the neighbors and asking, like, sure what's he, he like? And I'm sure he is. And they're reporting back to him where you are and stuff? I got one thing. He he wasn't doing that. Um, What's mine is mine. I'll fight for it. I'll die for it. You dig? Got it. doesn't matter if it's logical or not. What's mine is mine. My kids are mine. God said, you will have a conscience and think about these kids. Because when my, he never... He wanted to. He didn't know how to mm-hmm. connect back. 
How are you going to connect back with a kid that absolutely hates you? Yeah. I didn't understand this until, because we're about to get crazy. We're about to get dark when you when we start talking about a few things. But my daughter is 15, and she didn't talk to me for nine months. Her mother passed away of breast cancer. Mm. Um, I, I, I treated her mother wrong, you know, all, all when we were together. Like, meaning that I cheated on her. And I freaking yelled at her all the time. I was never with her. I just freaking just trashed her, man, you know? Like, never treated her like she should have been treated, right? Now, I say that with regret because that's what's a very regretful situation. Right. My, my oldest daughter knows about all these things. She saw it. No, she didn't see it. She, I, I was never there. She lived, they lived in Michigan. When I was in Green Bray School, where I got out of the army from because I got in trouble for my own stupidity, right? Um, They were in Michigan. I couldn't have them down there. And so... We got this big fight, you know, and all this other stuff and whatever. But her, she, she knows the story is what I'm saying. She, I don't want her to find out a lot on here because it's the case she might not know something. Because I like to let bygones be bygones and learn from them. And and if you do bring them back, then I'm never, I'm never afraid to answer for anything. But I'm a less than desirable person myself, and she knows that, right? And when her mother passed away, um, they wanted to, her to stay up there because she was she's gonna finish school early. She's she only got a couple Smart. couple years left. Her mother was a like a, a salutatorian or something like that. She wore the gray honors, or whatever, like wore the gray robe and all that. Summa cum laude or something. Yeah, whatever it is, the night, the not the valedictorian or something like that. But she just had she, she wore a different color robe than everybody else when she graduated. There's a few of them that did. But my daughter's really smart, and she's got a boyfriend. And how does that make you feel? I don't worry about it, man. I don't worry about that kind of stuff, man, because I I, I embraced it a lot. So whenever her her mother passed away of the cancer, we went to the funeral and everything, and her her grandma wanted to keep her. We got this big argument, big argument. And my daughter deflected me, man, blocked me on everything, told me never call her again, never talk to her again. Mm. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm getting a lawyer. We're doing this. I'm getting my kid back because here I am. They want me to sign over guardianship so she can stay up there. Why is she, why is she, why is she so upset? Uh, because because they know the whole story of how I did the, 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 their daughter. That's right? your only that's your only daughter? No, I have child? two daughters. What's uh, the other daughter's? Leah is her. She's she's uh she's thirteen. She's super cool. Same mom? No, different mom. Okay. I was married to her mom for thirteen years. But Brienne, my oldest daughter, um, at that moment in time, she she needed to get rid of me because I was I was making, I was gonna take her away from her life up there. Is what the threat was in any case because I was mad at her grandma for what she said, and um, blocked me. I didn't talk to her for the longest time, man. And I checked on her every day. Called called her boyfriend's mom. Hey, sent her sent her money on uh, Venmo for her birthday. She never called me on my birthday. Didn't call me on Veterans Day. Didn't call me on Father's Day. Didn't do all this stuff. And I'm tripping like, well, you know, when are you going to address this stuff, dude? Like, when are you going to stop the world and address this? Well, what I've learned is that if you do stop the world and address some things, that you force it and it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen. Right. So if I would have forced that situation, she'd have never talked to me again for real because nine months later, I would sent her a cup, a pink cancer cup because her mother died of breast cancer she's really big on the pink stuff and then i made a hoodie because i make shirts i make hoodies right and it says f u cancer and um her mom's name down the sleeve and i sent it to her as a present and she just i got a message one day it was like Ding! she done blocked me and she's like hey dad i love you wow um you know thank you for everything and blah 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 and all that stuff i'm sorry for this and, and whatever and um we built this relationship that helps her exist in her existence as a kid up there. You know, like some people would look back and be like, why didn't I take a job at nine to five and not do stand-up comedy and force the situation? But you got to think about this. I've been divorced twice. My second divorce happened about four years ago. 
Um, I just had rekindled a relationship with that lady before she passed away. And if I was to force that situation, like literally force it, make it happen, make her come down here, quit comedy and do everything, what's the quality of life? Yeah. What is it? Is it that I force it and it's not where I'm supposed to be right now and stuff like that? You know what I mean? Because what we do now is I call her and I text her. She loves it that I do comedy. Hope you kill it tonight, Dad. Hope you kill it. She likes wow. to perform. She likes to do little Broadway stuff. I drive up there and I see her. I drive in the snow for 20, 20 hours just to bring her an eye watch. Stay about 30 minutes. I drive across the whole United States to go hang out with her and stuff like is that. Is she aware of her dad and grandparents' relationship? Um, yeah. And she's and you guys are pretty much breaking the tradition. Uh, in my opinion. Breaking I, a curse. Like it's like I'm not going to allow it to happen. Right. You know that's good that you address that. So now she's. She loves her dad. Now she understands like you a little bit. Yeah. And I'll kick her a little cash because money don't buy love, but it's, here's the thing. She has nobody there that she can ask for five, six, ten bucks. Mm-hmm. She's got a grandma. She knows broke. You know what I'm saying? She try, she, they try to stay up there and everything like that, but her grandma is paying bills. She's doing what she can with her money. She don't got a lot of it. So Brian don't get to do a lot of things. Right. Until... Till you come around. Not just me. Some, you know, her, her grandma does a lot yeah. for her, dude. She stays there. I'm talking about the little things. I'm talking about these little things. Okay. I'm not talking about buying her, you know, a new heart for five million. I'm talking about the little things that drive that little ticker. You know, like that little, boop, 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 boop. Uh, it's her, it's her birthday, or it's uh, she did all A's and B's, or or whatever. I'm sending some dough, but I don't send it. Just here's some dough. I put a message in there. Right. What's up, little mama? These are for margaritas when you're 21 because she knows her mom loves margaritas. That was their thing. Do you think it's hard for her? It was hard for her because when she talks to you, it reminds reminds her of her mother? Uh, Possibly or possibly a time where she knows that I was mean to her mother. And she knows that her mother didn't really like love me, you know, because I was mean to her. Mm. She said a lot of things about me and stuff like that, which is she's allowed to. Heck, I mean, dude, I did all kind of crap, dude, like. Right. The worst things, you know. Well, let's let's go back before we met, before Brianna's. This born. is just an assumption too. Now, yeah, all yeah, this is a okay. proclamation. I can't prove any of this. Right, to be fact. We don't even know if she knows any of this. We don't know anything. I'm over here telling you how I feel. And these are your a, personal. A, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're, we're the way we see stuff ain't how it is. You're right. Yeah, so I don't even know if I'm on the right track with how she feels or any of that stuff. This was just stuff that I proclaimed. Well, they say the truth some part lies in it's it's your story and her story, and then the middle yeah. is when you combine them. Mm-hmm. So. Let's we're gonna go back to that. Well, well, let's walk us through. You're 17. You're you're you dropped out of school. You joined the military. How yeah. do you know to go to the military? What's well, that's what my dad did. That's what my dad did, right? Right. That's kind of uh, crazy. You're following his path a little. But bit. But not even on his on that purpose. Though I had a dude named Ryan Jenkins. Man, he was living the same type of lifestyle I was. He got kicked out of his house. We all ran together. You know what I mean? We slept in the woods in a tent and shit sometimes. Weird little things. That's number eight. Um, and what does Ryan say? Like, let's go to the military. No, he's already gone. He went and did it. He he he, oh. he went and did it, man. He drove to Mississippi one day and just did it. And then he came back from boot camp just to come home, like, because they gave him a break, leave, before he goes to his regular unit. So he comes home and he sees all his boys. And I'm like, man, this dude's fit. This dude's awesome. How was it, man? It's great. Oh, it's the barracks. It's this. I was like, man, can I come stay with you? Like, I hate it here. He's like, nah, you got to sign up. Mm. I'm like, all right, how do I do that? Recruiter. So I go to the recruiter. Walk in that jugger. I sign up with the Marines first, right? Because that's what I want. Who's the baddest one? Marines. So I go to the door, man, I'm signing with the rings. They take me all the way to the process, all the way through the maps, all the way through everything. We get back, and we're going to find out on our last paperwork. They're like, hey, where's your high school diploma? I don't have a high school diploma, dude. I told you I had a GED this whole time. He was like, no, you didn't. 
You got to have a high school diploma. I said, you got to have a high school diploma to be in the Marines? He's like, yeah. Unless you have to go through a certain window. There's a certain window that you can get in with a GED. So that ain't going to work. So I walked right next door to the Army. And they, they were like, hey, brother, GED. That's the, we call that the good enough degree. Good enough degree. Or the good enough diploma or whatever, you know? And I was like, great, cool. What can I choose? And they were like, infantry. What was the basic training like? Awesome. I hated every second of it, but I was away from the world. Do you know they changed basic training now? Now they have stress cards? Yeah, so that was not when I did. <laughs> I did that not when I did that. What was yours like? What was Mine that drill was hell, sergeant? dude. Pure hell. I had two Marine drill sergeants. No, actually one Marine drill sergeant. The other Marine drill sergeant, he was from a different platoon, but they were all in the same company. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our drill sergeant, our head drill sergeant, um, drill sergeant Uspect, he was a, a 101st guy, air assault guy, really proper, cool, what you think about a typical Army dude, like a good soldier, you know, book term guy. He had this dude, Woods. He was a Marine, former Marine, who tried like Ranger school like six times and kept failing. Mm. He just wanted to be an Army Ranger so bad when he came to, from the Marines to the Army because they let you come over. Bro hated us. Bro hated us. He smoked us every chance he got. He was so mean, dude, but he honestly taught me a lot about like where I thought I had it bef- bad before. I thought my dad was tough. <laughs> right? But gave it to me good. Never put his hands on me one time. Slammed me against the wall one time. Do you when you when you're getting yelled at and you start to understand? Do you start to like? I was. Question, do you start to say like, "Man, my dad tried his best," or you're just still upset with him? I didn't ever understand my dad's whole thing until until I'd got divorced the second time. Let's go before before we get to divorce. I got a question. What is your dad's dad like? What are your grandparents like? Do you have a relationship? They're with They're dead. They've always been dead. Yeah, they've been dead for a while. My grandpa's been dead since I was like a kid, like eighty three. So you have no relationships with your grandparents? No. No, my step-grandparents I did a little bit, but that was the main reason why I stopped talking to my parents this last time. They had an opinion on some stuff, and I just, we had, we got into it. See, I'm really, I'm super cool to, like, people that, like, love me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to figure out my existence in my head, like, why am I mean to some people? And I just, I honestly, I just, I don't like them people, bro. They, they, they did me dirty a lot of times, because um, where they want to try to play it like they're cool now, they used to beat my ass, you know? Yeah. Nine, I think. Get drunk and do that to us and stuff like that, you know? I'm like... I just don't like them anymore, you know? Yeah, it's good that you can, you've cut out the toxic part out of your life, you know, yeah. to make you a lot. Well, because they'll run around town and act like they're saints. And yeah. if somebody was to hear this, because I got a bunch of friends on Facebook, I have no shame in anything I'll say. I'll say it right to their face. However, the stuff I say may affect them because they, they front, they're on Front Street. They front a lot. Oh, we're this, we're that, so that. At the end of the day, they're behind closed doors. They're not living, like, happy. Like, they're not doing, they're fighting demons themselves. Yeah. My dad still drinks. He, he denies it. He says, I don't drink no more. You drink, you drink, you drink all the time. My kid tells me, she goes to your house, there's bad beer bottles everywhere. Mm. What do you mean? Why are you lying? Oh, I know why you're lying, because I lie. I tell people lies. I know exactly why you're lying. This is where you're at in life. Pops, you don't got to do that no more. You know? Can't have these conversations with him, because you don't listen. Do you think it's unique that you're the first one that changed in your family and you're changing all the dynamics? Have you noticed that? You're like the chosen one to like repair relationships. You repaid it with your daughter and now you're pretty much telling your dad like you don't got to be like this anymore. Yeah, and but since I said that, I haven't talked to him. I what's stopping, to him, man, what's stopping you from talking to him? I was mean him. to him. I said a lot of sh- stuff to him and I wrote them this big thing and told him, I said, hey, all them times you used to beat my ass, number 10. Um, all the times you, that you used to meet mean and drink and do the things and all the things and all the times you told me, hey, fat boy, and uh, you were so disappointed in me and all this stuff. I said, man, I appreciate everything, dog. I sent this on a text message on their anniversary. I said, I appreciate everything, dog. You know, it got me to where I needed to be. You know, you never throw the baseball with me. I told him all this stuff. I just let it loose, man, and just, and just give it to him. And then uh, I didn't talk to him again. New Year's came around. 
texted him. I said, Pops, Happy New Year. I'm sorry about everything. I'll eat my words. I'm really sorry. I was angry. Um, how, how can we fix this? No response. No response, no nothing. Wow. So then their their anniversary comes around the 21st. It's 20 days later. I sent him this other big, long message. I'm just basically like, screw you guys. Right. Watch what happens next. And I've been on fire ever since. Um, I constantly make this bad decisions because until I've recently got success quote unquote in my head or my space where it looks like I'm successful until recently before it was just a gaggle of insecurities and trying to cover things up and trying to be something that I'm not you know like and all it comes down to is I just want to talk to people do were you insecure because you were big I don't think it was because I was big I think I'm mostly insecure because like um I have this always wanting desire to never fail and I bite off more than I can chew a lot. I talk about things and I try to back it up and different things like that. Um, being insecure is, I think it comes from, because nobody would know that I'm insecure. A lot of people that are smart enough know that I'm insecure. But it's. I think it comes from not having, you know, certain things. Like when you get mad and that fight or flight type thing, like when you just say, screw it, I'll do it myself, you know, like Russ. Yeah, I know. That's a deflection of of your actual insecurities. Like you don't want nobody to know that you can't do it. Yeah. You don't want nobody to know you need their help. Shit, man, I'm at this right anyway. You don't want to be the dude that don't, don't have it all together. You know, because people give you so much reward off of the things that you do that are great and that are good. That a narcissistic person, which I believe 100%, I am narcissistic, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Because I believe that if you research it right now, psychologically, they can't pinpoint it to anything other than just circumstances in which you grew up in. Mm. So learning to be a narcissist is learning to defend yourself and with lies and, and things like this. And they feed your character as a child. And you get old enough to realize this. I say, foot down on the ground that you can reverse narcissism. A psychologist will tell you, no, you can't. I'll argue with them all day. Psychologist will tell me, I've probably read more books than a psychologist because I'm into it. I want to know why am I thinking this stuff. Why do I think this? Why do I think these things? Can't control narcissism. You know how you control it? Don't be mean to people. Don't mean to your kids. Don't make them, don't beat their butt every time they do something wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't need a, a butt whooping, but you can communicate without raising it's a narcissist. Explaining, explaining certain things. Yeah. And a lot of times, it's because it's this weird double-edged sword, like because it circles back around to we don't choose who we are, and we don't choose our thoughts and all these things. Like, where are this dude's thoughts coming from? Where are all these things coming from? All these people do this stuff right there, right? Like, do your best to not be a mean to your kids. Yeah. Do your best not to put your problems onto them and make them every time they think they got a problem, they got to lie to you because they don't get the, their butt beat or something taken away from them or get yelled at or embarrassed. Don't make them think that and they won't grow up like that. You know what I'm talking about? They yeah. won't constantly be in a situation where they feel like they got to defend themselves because they're insecure because it's part of being narcissistic. Yeah. I hate being narcissistic. I hate being insecure. So I try to do everything I can. Number one thing I do is pray. I'm a piece of crap. I talk about crazy stuff more, but I pray. If I ever get anxious, if I ever get worried, I literally just stop praying. I'm like, yo, here I am again, brother. Right. Because like, I, don't, I don't pray for nothing. Like, when I do it, I'm just like, hey, man, you know, like, like, thank you for everything, number one. Like, can you help me? You know what I'm doing right now, number two. And I just want you to help me see what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, right. give, me the, give me the correct tongue, the, the verbiage that I need to say, the things that I, that, that I, wanted, that I wanted to come out right. Just help me, help me, help me uh, have tenacity. Do, so, okay, so 
we're 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 changing we're changing our. I'm, you're gonna work. we're it's bad with me, dude. I've got ADD and it's horrible. So I'm sorry about that. I am. No, no, I I like it all, man. I think yeah. this is this is how we're, we're writing your story. So when you're in the military, right? You're in the military and you're working. When do you meet your first wife? My first wife, um, I went to high school with her. She was a girl that I'd hooked up with and was boyfriend and girlfriend with mm-hmm. when I was going through the worst part of my life, um, getting kicked out and stuff like that. So when did you guys get married? How old were you? Well, we stopped talking. We stopped talking then. And she had a boyfriend. She got another boyfriend. They did all these, you know, these, all these things. They were dating, doing all this stuff. And um, I was in the army and I was in Iraq. And my dad had put it in a paper because he became he was very proud of us at one time. He was a very proud person. Put us in the newspaper. Um, these are my boys. They're in Iraq and all this stuff. And I got a letter. And then the letters and the stuff like that they come. Um, they come late, you know, they come like two, yeah, three like weeks three, late. So yeah. And freaking, I got a letter from her and it said, Hey, what is she, okay. Hey, you know, I love you. Um, your dad put this thing in the thing. She just, <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if it was that first word, but she was, <laughs> but it ended you. with that for sure. And, uh, she was just like, I'm so proud of you for who you've become since, you know, since this thing and all this stuff. And wow. I'd really like to talk to you again. And I'm like, she shot a shot. bro, I'm sitting in a school. That we took over. See, I was in the infantry, light infantry, 101st Airborne, right? Shout out to those guys. Okay. When we invaded Iraq, all we did was walk and kick down doors and go in there and look around and see if they had weapons and do this different stuff, right? So we're sitting in the school because we checked a lot of the schools. And it was like early in the morning, like, mail call. And I read it and I'm reading it. I'm like, yes, boys, because everybody's getting mail. I'm not getting no mail. You know what I'm saying? My dad don't really fuck me that much. That's like 11. Um, and I get this letter. And well, my dad was sending me a lot of letters once I found that out later because this was the first letter I got was from her. After that, my dad sent me probably one every single day. I got freaking letters, letter, 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 all the way until I got in trouble in special force school. Didn't want my pops no more. He was, oh my god, I've been telling the whole town I'm Army Ranger and a Green Beret's dad. Well, pops, I didn't get my Green Beret, buddy. Sorry to disappoint you. You know what I mean? And um, what was I saying? So. What you're saying was you, your girl, your girl, first wife at the time, she's right. sending you these letters and right. you're excited because really, no one was giving you letters. It really got you had me something good. To, you had something like, to hold on to. Yeah, man, you know, and she sent her picture with it and everything, and I was just like, God, this is the one. So I was writing her all the time, and I would get her letters late, but finally when we got a phone, CIA had a phone in there. We guarded the CIA compound. They had a satellite phone, and we got to use it, pay money to use it or whatever. Or do we, I don't think we had to pay. We just got to use it. I called, called her. That's who I called first. Hey, Walk us through that. What did she say? Yeah, I was like, what you doing? She's like, nothing much. What are you doing? I said, it's Joey. She's like, oh, my God. So we freaking out and talk, right? And then every time I would go to the CIA compound, because we would rotate out doing different things with different platoons, like you would you would ever so often go have to like do a fixed site and stay out and guard the mayor's cell or the CIA compound or the bank or something like that. While you rotate out a lot, and you do it three days at a time. So when we go there, I was like, I get to talk to her. I call her, boy. It was like true love, you know, like just true loving in Iraq. I'm talking about, they got the girl. She's talking, you're so sweet. You're telling all the things we're going to do in life, all the places we're going to go, all the things. So when she does, says that, when do you say, like, I'm going to marry her? Was it fast? Was it no, like, man. I got her pregnant. How did um, you get her pregnant? Did you go back home for her? Yes. Yeah, no, no, not that at all. I, she was she was my girlfriend. Like, that's the first she met me right when I got home from Iraq. Drove up. Um, my parents were there, obviously, and everything like that. But, like, she was my girlfriend. We hooked up when I was in Iraq, like a prison uh, pen pal or something, right? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the best thing a, I could explain to prison her. Pen like, pal. literally, she saw my picture. She found the address. She wrote the letter. And then we started our relationship before we ever even touched. Because we were boyfriend and girlfriend. All we did was kiss. Right. And um, I went to her house 
on some leave. Um, this is not when I married her. I got to go home on December. What's on some leave? On some yeah. went on leave um, for two weeks from Iraq, straight from Iraq, because um, they gave us all two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I was at her house and stuff, hanging out with her. And then you know we were at the whole time. Wham bam, thank you, man. The whole time. And I went back to Iraq, and then when I came home, she was officially my girlfriend, officially for the rest of forever and always. And then uh, so that's what we were thinking. And then I got her pregnant, but it came at a time where we were breaking up. We were breaking up, and I was in special forces school. And special forces school, you do it in phases. So I just graduated what they call phase one, the tryouts, SFAS, selection. And it was like I just turned my phone back on and freaking – She's like, hey, um, I'm pregnant. I'm like, what? Like, I just got freaking selected to go to special forces school, man. Are you serious? I told her I have an abortion. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that. How much I love my daughter now and all the things in between. Yeah. I told her I have an abortion. Do that. Didn't even care about it. Mm. Didn't even think about it. I just know that if you have an abortion, no more kid. She's like, hell no. It's 11 or 12. I don't know. And she doesn't do it. And that's why her daughter loves her so much. That's why my daughter loves her so much. Yeah, That's why our daughter loves her so much. It's because she knows that. Was she a good mom? Absolutely. God, man. I hated her a lot of times. But what I did is I loved her, um, her existence once I started understanding mine in the past few years. What did you hate about it? Did you hate that you didn't I hate her anymore? I hated that she didn't did like you? me and she, didn't, like, she wouldn't let me see my kid. But what about she her? She kept my kid away like? from me. Oh, she just she didn't like the thing. That was just a psycho dude, man. I'm off the cuff. I'm doing all kind of stupid stuff. I'll fight anybody at any given time. That doesn't make me tough. I could die tomorrow. Somebody can come right here and show me I'm not tough. Mm-hmm. But the mentality is I don't care. It, it overrides are you tough because it will take you down stupid roads, making dumb decisions and stuff like that. The attitude of I don't care, it comes from like your teenage years. It comes from insecurities, else, man. It comes from the, the, the deflection of who we are as a person. That's why you really need to peel back those layers and address those, take those chances. And that's what I'm, do, I'm doing in my life right now. I quit well, my construction job. Well, how do, you, how do you feel when your dad, so how do you feel when your dad's starting to cheer you on? Like, what is that? You haven't spoken to your dad in a long time. I and thought, now he's praising you and your brother. Like, walk us through that. The, I'm happy about it, man. You're I'm happy? Ha- yeah, but, I'm happy about it. I'm not even timid about it at all. I'm like, really, I, this is it. We, we're, back, we're, we're back around. But you know what? What are those this, letters saying, though, when he's writing? Oh, I love you, son. Are? I hope you so much. The weather is this. He's just keeping it cool, man. Like, typical cliche letters mm-hmm. from home, man. The weather is beautiful outside today. I want you to know the wind was blowing from the left a couple of leaves fell uh dogs in here wagging his tail right now news is on whether uh it's gonna be a hurricane next week whatever just keep me up to date but you're reading them a month later but you're still home you know what i'm saying so i respect him for this this is what i'm telling you right. hopefully one day before he dies hopefully one and i told him this i sent him a message on his birthday after i hadn't talked to him at all i sent him a message he didn't respond doesn't matter i said it pops i hope i get to talk to you again one day and tell you about all the stuff that i've been doing all the stuff i did because we don't really talk about this shit you don't think you're dead watches you i don't know if he watches me and i don't care because i don't think about him during the process i'm just constantly trying to figure out what i'm doing what so, am i doing so as your dad's writing you these letters as you're in iraq are you wondering like yo where's my mom at how's my mom doing that's exactly what i'm wondering and i'm also wondering about my brother because he's also in iraq at me at the time he's my homeboy he's just in a different different unit different okay. spot these are all the things that you think about all the time because for you it's all over if you die it's all over once you go home. That's the two outcomes. Walk us with the psyche, like going to Iraq. Like, what are the what is there? What does your your commander tell you, or what does your leader tell you? Like, hey, we're in Iraq. 
get your game face on. What is that? Walk us through that that talk about how to get your mind right to be inside Iraq. Well, they have a, you have a big group of people, right? right? I think you're telling the story in the green room how he said like your your friends are doing this and da da. Yeah, so that's my first sergeant, first sergeant Furby. Shout first out sergeant. that guy, right? I was I was gonna try to get ADD on you again. I'll just give you a quick rundown. You got a big unit, right? You mm-hmm. got the commanders all the way down to the other commanders to to squad leaders, the platoon sergeants, and all 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 the things that go down the line, right? So my immediate leadership was just a sergeant, Sergeant Galini. He was my guy. Like he was in, in Sergeant Colores. They were they were like we we were such a small unit. Uh, but my first sergeant, we were standing up company formation one day. I won't forget, I was telling you about when we, before we went to Iraq. This is before we got on the birds and flew from Kuwait into Iraq mm-hmm. um, to our first spot where we were going to walk from. He was like, it was early in the morning. I wish I could replicate it, dude, because there's been conversations like this. The only thing I could think about is like Days and Confused, the movie, when he's like, they go up to talk to the teacher and he's like, it's like my sergeant told me one day when we was in the woods or whatever, in the Vietnam or something like that. He said, "Man, whatever of your, whatever of you came, and only whatever of you leaving, mm-hmm. something like that." It was kind of like that, but it wasn't. It was really quiet. There's a couple of lights off in the distance. You heard the birds going and everything, like with the birds being the helicopters. He was like, "Man, listen to me. You know, like think about what your family's doing right now. Think about what your friends are doing right now. Think about what your girlfriend is doing right now. Think about what the, the guy in the corner or whatever is doing right now. Think about all these things that are doing. Think about what you're doing right now. Right. You're going to go in the muscle. You know, like you're going to go in the, in the, in the guts. You're going to get it on. All the stuff you train for. All the things. You're sitting in that title at that spot and moment. You're a soldier, but you still have real humans there thinking about all their lives and all their existence and what the hell brought them to those moments in time. But to hear that thing... You're like, yeah, let's get it. Get on the planes or get to the birds, and you go into Iraq. And uh, that's a pretty intense time. Honestly, you just you're like, are you scared a little bit? Nah, not scared, but you're nah. like, like excited. Yeah, I don't know if you're scared as much as you are. Um, just wow, what are we doing? Like, you never know what's going on. You're tired a lot. God, you're so tired because they just make you walk forever, and you get no sleep. You get pull guard. Everybody's just irritable, mad at each other. Do you have a switch? Like when you're as because you're special forces, so you. No, got, I'm not. I'm not special forces. Let's clear yet. that up. I don't want nobody to know that I think that I'm special forces. I failed out of special forces school. So what were you? So when I Reg, infantry, I was light infantry. Okay. I was, which is a good, good thing. Don't take nothing from that. Tell us what your job entails. I was, uh, I was a machine. I was a saw gunner at first, a squad automatic weapon. That was at the M two four nine, seven seven six. That's just a little small belt fed machine gun. And then I stepped over into the M two forty Bravo, which is the bigger machine gun. And basically, you're just support by fire to the light infantry dudes that are. When you're a saw gunner, you're kicking in doors and you're using that. You know, they don't. You didn't really use it a lot in mount or um, in close quarter combat, but um, sometimes you did. And you parasol maybe with the shorter barrel. You go in first, and you know, in case you see a threat, whatever, right. spray the room type thing. But um, but for the most part, the weapons squad, which is what I went to afterwards, you. If you guys go in onto an assault and objective, or you guys go on a mission, weapons squad will sit up and wait, like close. But you're, you're on standby, and you got this, the big machine guns. And if they need cover to move up to a position, that's where you are. You lay it down. If if you see something, obviously, or if they give you get a command that you need to do something, then that's what you do. That's I like that part of the heavy machine gun. We got to carry it everywhere you go. It's Rambo shit, right? How when you tell your dad, your dad's excited about that? Um, my dad wasn't excited about me going into the army. When I told him I was going into the army, he was like, "No, man, really?" And I was like, "Yeah, really." And uh, he was proud for a long time. He was really proud for a long time. Do you think the Army messed up his head a little bit? Not his head, but do you think it He didn't ever go to war. I'm not saying that people don't go to war, don't have messed up his head, because they have to institutionalize at least some. 
when I say institutionalize, they have to institutionalize. You eat what they say, you do what they say, until you get to your unit and you are got a day job, so to speak. But when you're training and everything like that, you eat what they say, you do what they say. Um, it's, 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 I mean, it's just kind of the same. I hate to say it's the same as prison, but it's, you know, like, it's, you volunteer for it. Right. So your your first wife, she's she's frustrated. You're not, you're frustrated. Are you frustrated because you're so far away from her? Like what? When does it start going downhill? Uh, no, it was basically just me. I'm on this. I'm on this mission. See, all things in my life. I try to explain it to you right now, but all things in my life lead to the next. So I never really pay attention to one. Um, at the time, I can remember being just like, what does omnipresent mean? Is it omnipresent when God is with you? God is like near you is that what that means completely um, not what i was talking about then I mean, anyways well, we, we got google yeah well i basically was just like um i wanted her i loved her i wanted to be right but i knew by the back of my head that like i did didn't care about anything right little omnipresent widely and constant constantly encounter a common widespread god is present everywhere at the same time oh means he's all he's everywhere that's not what i meant then but that's cool. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, do like you I, think? All right. So when, so when you, I'm, were, I'm saying I'm present, but I'm not present. Like I'm just right. kind of like I'm there, and but I'm you're doing. You're not physically there. She nah. needs, she needs, phys, she needs you, Joey, physically there, and you're just not there. I'm not there. And then, well, she's she was not there actually, and she was in Michigan. But I'm talking about I'm not there in this whole situation. Period. Got it. Even when we're talking, like I'm just like I'm there, but I'm not there, like because I don't care about nothing. I'm just like literally like. Because for a long time, I was mad because when I was home on leave, I was mad at myself, you know, because this, it, we, we get, wait, we're, we, we'll talk for hours and hours here. I was mad at myself because one of my friends got killed in Iraq, sitting in the very seat that I sat in mm-hmm. on the trucks and everything all, the, the, the majority of the time I was there since I became a machine gunner. He got killed in Iraq. And, um, and that, you know, I was mad at that, like, because he was such a good dude. He was a cool dude. And freaking, I just felt like I was like, screwing up all the time i was like just mad at life you know and i was making all these bad decisions and stuff like that i guess i had a little bit of like survival guilt or something like that and you don't want to say that because that sounds kind of sissy dude like chump you know but i did i was mad that it happened i didn't understand it right you know it happened the day i leave Mm. or two days after i leave whatever days i'm like how does that happen so as your friend passes away how do you take that news? You're just not. I was sh- at home. I got a phone call from the Sergeant Prescott. He was like, "Hey, Leonard, your whole team got hit, bro." Oh yeah. wow! And you just happened not to be there. Haven't, wasn't there. Did you feel like you were supposed to be there? Not now. Not, not now. now but not, I mean, were you going through guilty? Were yeah, you like guilty absolutely. about it? Like, absolutely. Man, like the freak! I was supposed to be absolutely. here. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent, man. We made a decision because we were privates. I was a team leader because. My squad leader had a heat stroke, and then I got to move over to weapon squad. So I was a team leader because of the way they moved things around. And um, just so we're clear on that, I was a team leader in weapon squad. I was a regular saw gunner in my regular line. Got it. But our actual squad leader had a heat stroke, so everybody bumped up one. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I got to go to weapon squad. And um, I was his team leader, but – when we had leave coming down for two weeks at a time, they were like, hey, you because we were the same rank. We're privates, privates. But in Army, when you're a leader, your soldiers go before you on anything, chow, phone call, sleep, um, anything, doesn't matter. And they were going to send them home on leave. And I was like, hey, fill out this paperwork or whatever. And he was like, uh, no, man, you, you, you go and I'll stay because he knew he was going to be able to get wow. 
he knew he was going to be able to. Get, <laughs> he knew he was going to be able to get the uh, spot on the gun truck, mm-hmm. and he really wanted to do that. He didn't have to ride the back truck no more, you know. And freaking, um, we we filled out the paperwork, and I went to the platoon sergeant, and I said, "Hey, man, he's gonna. He, I'm gonna go home." And he, and he made fun of me, platoon sergeant. He's like, "You know what, really?" And I was like, "Nah, okay." No. So I went back to Hutch and said, "Hey, man, I'm gonna go." And Hutch is like, "No, nah, I'm going." So we left it as is. Hutch, Hutch, I went home. Hutch stayed, and uh, Hutch died. And I was like, it was because I made the decision. Right. Like, I, I was a bitch. I, I went home. You had survivor's remorse. That's what I was trying to say. Survivor's guilt, right? I was upset about it. And uh, for the longest time, I was just mad at, like, like, why did I do that to him? Why did I do that to him? But I didn't kill him. A piece of IED killed him. Do you, um, do you, does your lady at the time see that you're, like, depressed? And does she know yeah, how to cater to you? She, or you no, can- no. She made, she made it, like, um... You know, a lot of things were said that shouldn't have been said. I don't want to. I can't talk about a dead woman like that because I loved her in the end. I understand. I loved her in the beginning and I loved her in the end, hundred percent. Things, you know, you know, we say things and do things in life that were, you know. So when do you get in trouble in the military? What does that happen? Does that happen? After yeah. You? So that was during the process. Um, I actually had to call her and tell her what I had done, and um, she wanted to get a divorce and all that stuff. We got divorced. And, um, I couldn't handle it, man. You know, like it was eating at me. I wanted to kill myself. The divorce? The divorce, coming home from Iraq, everything. Like it wasn't nothing in Iraq that happened that destroyed me like that. It, my friend died and everything like that, but it wasn't. It didn't affect me like it would have his family well, and stuff. What was like so that. close for you to kill yourself? What was going on? Just life? tired of it all, man. You know, like going from living with my mom and stuff and then living with my dad and then I do this. It's like I can never find nothing better. Yeah. There's never nothing better out here, man. Holy shit. And then you try to find yourself in situations where you're going to try to make it better for yourself. Well, I'll start a company. I'll get a job here. I'll start doing your own church. I'll start How close are you to killing yourself? I've, I've at least almost killed myself at least maybe five or six times. Come on. Five I ain't playing time. with you. Yeah. Five to six times? Yeah, I've had a pistol in my mouth a couple of times. I got stopped by um, divine intervention twice, though. The last two times. Well, talk walks to that divine intervention, because I think that story is amazing. What happened when you went AWOL, that story? Okay, so I was AWOL. From the army, explain what a wall is for people who absent don't know. without leave. Um, people would look at that like I didn't do my wartime good, like you okay. know, like a Bo Burngall or some dude like that that like went a wall from war, right? And freaking like got people killed and oh my god, horrible story. And then I did it, not I did it like when I'm, I'm at home. I'm a, I have a drug problem. Okay, you know I'm clearly I go to the guys. I have a I have a fucking drug problem, dude. Can you help me? Does that drug problem start in Iraq? No. That drug problem started when I first saw cocaine for the first time, and the dude was like, you can do as much of it as you want to. How old were you when that happened? I was, I was in special forces school. I was up there. Wow. Yeah, and that's what really what, what the mom- In Iraq you saw? No, I, no, not in oh, Iraq. and just in school? Yeah, just in school up there is when I started doing it. Um, what was the question before that, though? So, like, walk us through the AWOL when you thought you were something, you had a divine intervention to stop killing yeah, yourself. Yeah, well, no, I, I didn't have a divine intervention to stop killing myself. This is just one time when I didn't kill myself. Like, it, so... I was AWOL, and I was like, I need to turn myself in and shit, because they kept calling, and they kept saying, Joey, like, come, like, come back. And I was like, all right, yeah, like, when I get ready. I kept telling them where I was at, like, come get me. I don't want to drive back. It's a long drive. And uh, <laughs> and basically, they just let me turn myself in or whatever, but I was going to, like, one night, it was it was just really late, dude, and I had thought that somebody was coming to get me, you know? Like, it was, I heard a noise downstairs. And I had freaking went downstairs with my pistol, butt naked, man, and cleared all the rooms in the house and everything like that. And um, I don't know, man. I just was going to do it that night, but I had a buddy come by my house. 
like in the middle of the night and I forgot that I told him to come early because we were leaving to go to work the next day. We wanted mm-hmm. to beat traffic. And I was like, had a pistol in my mouth, man. I was going to do it. And then I heard the knock on the door. Wow. I'm like, whoa. And I go over to the door, you know, and it's him. And I'm like, dang, let me get myself together. So I just went out of it. Right, I didn't, I didn't, I snapped out of it right away. We went to work and all that stuff. And I've had interactions in between. Um, Pistol in your mouth. Yeah, man, I've done it a couple times. But I but I got lucky, though. That's why I decided to pray now, like, that I don't have them thoughts and stuff. What was the one where you told me that? That you saw a sign. So that was that was I guess that's my testimony to really giving it into the fact that there is a God. Okay, walk us through that. I was high on cocaine. Um, I was at a chick's house up in Bun, North Carolina, and out of my mind and had a Lieutenant Dan moment. You know, looking up into the thunderstorm, so to speak, but it really wasn't a thunderstorm. It was cloudy on the bottom side, but then like it was clear up top of me. Mm-hmm. And I was having a moment where I was like, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to do it. Right here in this girl's driveway. It's done. Wait a minute. I'll do something real quick. Step outside the truck and I'm like, all right, God. All right, MFR. Like, if you're real, like, show me something. Like, let's do it. Strike me down. Hit me with a lightning bolt. And I saw that star, shooting star. And then I'm like, bullshit. (laughs) Do it again. Do it again. Bro, another shooting star. Wow. You think I'm crazy? Think that's a lie? Mm-mm. Not you. I'm saying anybody. That sounds too made up. To be high on cocaine in the driveway. Have, it, it's, that could be a coincidence, but you understand how the universe talks to us, right? Right. It, they, it talks to us in all kind of different ways, and especially if you ask it to. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Right. And I'd called up one of my friend's mothers early in the morning and was like, hey, what's this? You know, And I was telling her I was high and all this stuff. Blah, blah, blah. She said, you got confirmation. Like, good job. Congratulations, welcome. Welcome to the party of believing in a higher being, a higher power. And then from there, it's just been back and forth. Like, how do I really feel? Like, am I a good guy? Because I was preaching on my Facebook for a little bit. But then I went back to the old me, like, talking about weed and guns and fighting and screwing, all the things in between. But at the end of the day, I still believe in God. So it's crazy because I watch somebody like you, and I see you're getting tired, so we'll have to end this soon. No, 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 I'm good. But um, you, your, your story, what's your story? Like, cause you, I ask you the other day, I'm like, how do you not cuss? How do you not do these things? And you're like, hey, man, I'm a regular as they call. Yeah, I, I told you that. I said, your, your story helps reach more people like you. Mm-hmm. You know, you reach, you reach the people that have been through that. You can reach the people who felt like killing themselves. Yeah. You know, how can I talk to someone about suicide when I really wasn't there? Right. You had the gun in your mouth. Yeah. You never so, done that? No, not the gun in my mouth. I've thought about suicide. My biggest fear in life is death. Yeah, it is. My biggest fear in life is death. Even though I'm I live even though I, I'm a Christian, my biggest fear is death. Eternity Why is that? eternity scares me. Why? Because the Bible for me, the Bible can confuse me. The Bible says He said he he who believes in Jesus Christ and believes that he rose again. Thou art saved. Then it goes, liars, cheaters, fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then you're like, wait, that was me. Yeah, sometimes I feel like, I feel like, am I not? My prayer used to be every night, God, if you see me good enough to take me to heaven, take me out of here. Right. Because the eternity, being in hell forever, just seems like a long time. Right. Forever. Malcolm, no, Malcolm, it was Muhammad Ali said, he said eternity is like taking a jar and going to the Sahara Desert and taking one grain of sand, that represents a thousand years, and put it in a jar. 
until there's no sand left. And once you're done, dumping it back out and doing it all over again. Yeah. So that eternity scares me. So the eternity is what my biggest fear is. Because I'm like, man, maybe I did something. Maybe my thoughts are impure tonight. Maybe everything else. So I try my best to be as good as I can. But like I've 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 dogged a lot of people out. Like I think the worst. I think military kids have it the worst because my dad didn't teach me how to be this animal. I learned on my own. Right, right, right. So I, learned, I would never. Like my yeah, dad man. was a minister. He didn't teach me and my brother how to be wild like that. We learned on our own. We were rebels. It's just like, why right. aren't you not letting me go outside? All right, well, freak. I'm gonna find a way to go outside now. Right. I'm gonna find my way to do everything. He didn't talk to us about sexuality. He tried, but he really didn't. He told my brother, don't do it. I was like, why are we not doing it? Yeah. Well, all right, we got to do it. Let's try it. Why is it bad? Yeah. So, like, when I when I tell people that, I was like, that's my story. I, I reach out to the people who who probably are questioning, like, their mind state. Like, when I was in Israel, I told you that. When I went to the Holy Land in Israel. Yes, we got baptized. I got baptized out there. And I'm sitting there looking. And I'm like, I was like, why am I paying to see these religious sites? What am I giving money to see a religious site when this is not exactly what happened? Yeah. I'm paying to see a stone. I'm paying to see this. And I was like, Jesus was not in these churches. He was on the streets. Yeah, out there living, man. He's on the streets. And his boys were on the streets, too. His boys were all people from the streets and from different aspects of life. Smart lawyers, everything else. Yeah. So when you when I align myself, I try to reach out to people who are not like me. Reach out to people who, even though we're from different sides of the track, we re- relate to each other because... We've all been through something that connects us to the cross. Yeah. And everyone's cross is different. Right. You know, everyone's cross is different. I dig that. I dig that. Everyone's cross is different. And maybe not cursing. I cursed a lot before. Yeah, I'm trying not to, bro. It's hard. When I was 16, I I remember my mother breaking. I remember I was 14. My mother breaking into my email asking, like, why do you curse like this? And I was just copying everything I saw off Def Comedy Jam. I was just saying everything that they said. Yeah, right, 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 right. And I was like, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't curse. Yeah. Then I stopped. Like, I don't need to curse, but I will never stop anybody from cursing. Yeah. When I'm at school and when I'm at work, I'll tell people, like, ah, ooh, ooh, those words are hurting. But it doesn't hurt me. But at the same time, if you don't have to say it, why do you have to say it? Yeah. You know, but I'm not going to, like, I don't, Bernie Mac is funny. When he curses, that makes me laugh. Yeah. His special would be completely different if he didn't curse. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying about choosing your existence, because I bet you, like Steve Harvey, that is one of the most profound dudes in my you ever, you ever watch it? Yeah, I watch Steve Harvey. I think Steve Harvey's hilarious. He's he's mastered he's yeah, mastered his. You craft. watch him talk about um, like the first time he did that uh, when he got he did when he showed up and did the set down in Florida and mm-hmm. he goes up to uh, the and the money and everything. Yeah, else. yeah, man, I have not had any money. And then had just enough and got it this to go there and become the host over at uh what was he the host of for a little while? He was host of Apollo. Apollo for a little while, man. And that money. Incredible stories. Dude, I, I, I really believe that, you know, divine intervention, things things happen. Things happen with divine intervention. But not the tail off. The tail off. So you're in the you're in the military, right? Well, we'll, we'll keep doing it. We'll keep telling off. Yeah, we'll say telling off. It's, it's great. But I, I want to get to I never the, really wanted to tell nobody that story. I've told somebody that story because. I thought that was amazing. Well, because I, I, I don't like to, you know, because some people, like the regular person that doesn't know me. That doesn't know the things they would associate me with a Bo Bergengal or some fucking dude like that that went AWOL and like did something horrible. They would associate that with that. They wouldn't care about a drug problem coming home from Iraq. Definitely serving honorably over there. Never did anything out of line. Ask anybody. I did all my time honorably over there. I didn't finish the race. Right. I turned myself in. I tried to finish the race. Got what I got for it. I didn't get kicked out with no dishonorable discharge or nothing. They actually treated me really well at the end of the day. Um. 
they didn't mentally rehabilitate me or anything like that, but they didn't totally cut my nuts off, so to speak, right? But I mean, that's a that's a. But that, I moved past it. Right, you moved past it, but that's almost twenty years. That's a thing that people deal with, you know. Mm-hmm. Drug addiction is serious. Yeah, man. It could, that thing spirals out of control, and you got to think about your your mom. Yeah. When you're doing drugs, you think about like, yo, am I like my mom right now? Do you feel that a mm-hmm. little bit? It was only a short time for me. I only did it for like three months, two months, and it was just enough to take me down. But I did it every day, every, every day. single day. Um, and so I'll tell you a story real quick about a time when I went to get cocaine and how I know that we're here for something else, that all that I wrecked, did all this stuff. I met a guy as I tried to get some weed mm-hmm. up there, and, and then that's how I found the cocaine in any case. The strippers and all the people, we all had it and everybody. Um, they all got it from this dude named D. Mm-hmm. Real story about D is D was an awesome dude, but he was a drug man. He was a dope man. He was a drug dealer. He sold everything. I mean, not easy to sell anything. Pills, cocaine, whatever, crack, it doesn't matter. And I met him through this other person. He really liked me, and I really liked him. We connected on different levels of how he didn't grow up with his mom and stuff and different things like that. And we just we talked a lot, and we became good friends. And I would just get weed from him. And finally, I was like, hey, you want to do some coke? Mm-hmm. Strippers are doing the coke. Yeah, I'll do some coke. And then we were just good friends, and he wanted to put me on payroll, so to speak, to sit outside of his house and be a security guard on certain days because I was in the Army. Sounds stupid, but I'm like, how much are you paying? Like, what are you paying? He's like, come by tonight and talk to me. I was like, I can't make it tonight. Didn't talk to him for a whole week. So he needed some security. Something was going on with this guy, right? He knew some people were after him. Because up at Marcus and Drive, they call it Merc. Doesn't drive for a reason. They will kill you in a heartbeat up there. And he's we're right outside of gate four or something like that in these apartments. And I need to get some cocaine. And I called him up and I said, Hey man, I'm on CQ. Charge of quarters. I'm already in trouble. You know, I already got in trouble and got popped on the piss test, got all these things. The AWOL thing came well after that. I didn't just go AWOL. I got in trouble up there. I got popped on a piss test and I begged them to rehabilitate me and they would not do that. Mm. My ex wife was wanting to get divorced. All the whole thing. So I just went AWOL to go try to take care of that flame, take care of that fire, get it all out done. Um, nevertheless, what I'm, I'm going at with the uh, cocaine there, what was I saying? I'm sorry. You're saying the first time you bought cocaine. So with the guy that got shot. So mm-hmm. I go to his house. That ain't the first time. I've been doing it like this. I went to his house to get more, mm-hmm. right? Because we already built this relationship. And I get there and there's a, a big, huge black dude. He's got security written on his back. Black shirt. Like He's playing real security at the dope man's house. Got a Crown Vic... Got the Dirty Harry revolver. It's like shiny. And I pull up in a government vehicle. It's 9.55 p.m. Um, get my stuff. I get to the door, and the security guard's like, what's up? I said, I'm here to see D. He's like, all right. So I make it past him, get to the actual door itself, and I go to, t- to turn the knob and go in, right, or whatever. And this dude's like, who's, who, who, who that for you? And I said, I'm here to see D. And I push the door open. Like, I'm in uh, the mighty to get my, sh- my, my cocaine and get out of here, right? This dude pulls out a pistol and puts it in my face. Mm. D kicks this dude like a cartoon across the room, like in his neck and head. Like He could have pulled the trigger on accident and shot me right in the face. He said, I told you he was coming by. This is my homeboy. This is where I got the first pass to say the N-word, so to speak, right, with this guy. I know that sounds crazy, but he told me that I was his N-word and that I and he would never care if I said it. Like So in those terms, like when we did, because I was, I was that close to his, his bro. We built that relationship in a short amount of time. And um, I go inside his house. Everything settles down and everything. He's the Mac Daddy. He's the kingpin, right? So what he says goes. Well, this dude's like got two girls in there, a Puerto Rican and a white girl. Um, the white girl has red hair, and the Puerto Rican, they're, they're just beautiful girls. 
And there, I'm over there, and he's like, I get in the stuff, and he's like, hey, man, you got your camcorder? And I was like, I got my camcorder, man. He's like, let me hold your camcorder so I can make a porno with these girls. I know, I, you said I can say anything, right? Yeah, yeah, Are we good? Go okay. Yeah. He's like, um, I'm going to make a porno with these chicks. And I was like, that's crazy. That's intense. And they're all taking ecstasy and they're rolling and everything. And they're like having a really, and they're like, yeah, we're going to make a porno. And like, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm just acting like I'm down, like I'm cool. Uh, and everything's cool. You can borrow the camera. No big deal. And I give him one of those tapes that I had already been used. Like I had it in Iraq and stuff. This is a camera that my mom just, my stepmom just bought me like when I was in Iraq. I only had it a few months. You know, I just got home. Like I got it in like December. And I this was, only had it for like less than a year. But I had old tapes and I handed him one of them. And, uh, and right before I left, he's like, hey man, can you clean this pistol for me? And I'll give you a little extra stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. This little... Versa 25 or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but I don't even know if that's the right name. I don't even know. If, I'm not going to be a gun expert. I'm not a gun expert like that. But at the time, I knew about him because mm-hmm. I was fluent. I was training on all different ones. I knew how to take it apart. Right. Took it apart, clean it for him. It's all good, man. Pull it, drop fire. Show you it works just fine. Hand it to him. I'm about five minutes late for CQ. I'm supposed to be there at 10 p.m., right? I'm trying to get my shit and go. But I'm like, bullshit in there. I got to keep doing it. I'm messing around in there, and I'm not supposed to be there. I leave. With the stuff, I leave with um, out my camera, and then I go back to guard. I get back to guard late. The news is on. The news is on. It takes me like ten minutes to drive back from the apartments to guard shack, or well, not guard shack, but to the CQ, like over the back of the compound. And the news is on that there's a shooting over outside of gate four or whatever in the wow. apartments, right? I leave there at ten o five p.m. This is like ten 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 eleven. Somebody comes in with an SKS. And kills everybody in there. Security guard outside, D, everybody. But they don't get D right away. They get him and he chases him down with the same pistol that I cleaned. I cleaned this dude's pistol. He goes to uh, the the red light. He chases this dude down at the red light. They're shooting at each other or whatever. And then I guess he pops the dude and the dude pops him and they both die. Wow. Yeah, super intense because that story, you couldn't make that up. You couldn't possibly fathom the intensity of... The timeline on that. I didn't know this guy. I built some of his great relationship, and I was very sad. I didn't even know about this. I had no idea what, what I was watching on the TV was what was happening. I called this dude's phone the next day to get my camera, and his girlfriend answers. His girlfriend's name's Charlie. She's a mixed chick. She's Puerto Rican and white. Beautiful girl. Same. These friends, all these people. They're all like, got a nice little community of friends. Super cool chick. She's like, D, did you hear what happened? And I said, no. She's like, D got killed last night. Mm. Everybody over there, all these people. And I'm like, huh? He got my camera. You just made the same. You, that's a mistake. Yeah. To say that right then, she hung the phone up on me. Did you notice this? Did you notice you did exactly what your dad did? As far as what? When your friend passed away on the four wheeler, you said your dad said a dumb thing, mm-hmm. and you did the same yeah, exact thing. Absolutely. Not that was if we if we were to scale it out to be the same thing, but not in the same circumstances okay. or. You didn't mean to be disrespectful. Not to him. My dad totally meant to be. And okay. My dad has beat my ass a lot at this point, too. Me and this dude are just friends. Got it. And and his girlfriend. That was totally disrespectful, and you are correct, to that, that I did that. And uh, and I knew I did. But I never got I never got interrogation about the police or anything about the camera. I was just going to say it was stolen if they ever asked me, because I'm on the camera, like, smoking smoking weed and stuff, you know? like. All right, so so that's divine intervention, man. No, it all is. Everything that's led up that, to this moment. That's crazy. That you are divine intervention. I'm trying to tell you. I was drinking yeah, like that, a fish. But, this, but these stories are divine. Just imagine right place, right time, and you not being there. Yeah. You not being there. And yeah. So 
your st- like these stories are going to help somebody. It's just like people. One day, it. that's why we'll get to the motivational speaking. One day, yeah, that's right. we're that's already there. I almost caught myself doing it tonight. I was like, all right, guys. But that's what those people needed, though. My friend, I had a friend that was he had a he had a roughest podcast, kind of inspired by him. He was a military brat just like me, and uh, he was murdered. He was shot face down like that, but he was out eastbound and down, running around. Uh, he he would steal everything else. But he would have these divine intervention things. Yeah. Divine interventions. As soon as he got down, somebody would pick him up. As soon as he got down, someone picked him up. And and when he got killed, it was just like you you feel hopeless a little bit. Like, man, I I couldn't do anything to help him. You know, you could talk to somebody, but I was like, man, if I was there in this place, maybe it could have helped. You can't try to replay thoughts and try to replay things, but you can't. Yeah. You can't replay it, you know? Yeah. So we... We we have these things. We're out of the military now. You you're out of the military, and when does this happen? Where where people are telling you, "Yo, you're funny." When does that happen? Where people are like, "Yo, you should try." In the you, army. You're in the army. I was in the army. People are telling all these stories. No, nah, they would make me tell jokes. Like when you're downtime, they'd be like, "Who knows some jokes?" And I would just run through all the old jokes I heard because I just love to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. And um, that was when it was. When I got out of the army, I dabbled a couple times making jokes, whatever. I started making the Facebook videos and crap like that. I knew I wanted to do it because people were doing YouTubes and all the things. And I went out to Dallas, Texas to do some work, some walkover work. And they have uh, the Laugh Factory. I don't know what it is in Dallas, Texas. It's a big comedy club. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember the name of that place. But they had open mic night. And boy, that was like 90 people st- signed up for that thing that night. They give you like two minutes. Mm-hmm. Two minutes. If you're not good, they lighten you in two minutes. If you're good, they give you four. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, let's go do this. And I sat and watched everybody all night long, drank all kind of beer. Ooh, got drunk. And then finally went up there. And I, I said like eight words and told a story about, or not eight, like eight words. I said like eight sentences, told a little story, a joke about ghosts. Uh, th- oh, I thought you said goat, like some Martin Lawrence thing I heard of Martin Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And um, it was horrible. Hey, they were like, get off stage. Yeah, get off stage. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this no more. Right. And then I dug really into the Facebook, really far into it, really far into it. But then I just kept watching, man. I'm enthralled by um, Eddie Murphy's Delirious. Yes. Uh, that's the, the one special that I watched when I was a kid where I said, I want to do that. One of okay. my favorite specials, I don't know if you heard of it, it's called Live at the Purple Onion. With who? Zach Galifianakis. Oh, it's got to be perfect. I love that dude. He was him, and he was like the one that started alternative comedy. He was very, it's very wild. Dude, he is incredible, dude. That's one of my favorite stand-up specials, Live at the Purple Onion. He's on by piano. He's like doing characters. He's doing all this other yes. stuff. You gotta, it was the first ever Netflix special. Right. Well, I freaking called this dude up when I was in Nashville on a job. Jack Galifianakis? No, Gary Cargill. Okay. You don't know him. I called him up and I said, hey, man, you're doing stand-up. I see you in this comedy group I'm in. You're doing stand-up. You stand up and tell tell jokes and shit. He's like, yeah. I said, I want to do that, man. How can I start? How can I do it? He's like, you got to go to this open mic down in Marietta. Mm-hmm. So I did. I went up there about 50 weeks in a row, 40 weeks in a row. Never went up. Just stand there. I don't say 50, 40 weeks. I don't know how many it was. That's exaggerating. But I went a lot, 10, 20, 30 times, you know, then watched the guys and never built up the courage to get up there. I knew I was popular on Facebook, and I knew I could say some things. I knew I didn't. Rick kept saying, get up there, get up there, get up there. Well, Gary Cargill one day calls me up, and he's like, hey, uh, heading up to the room tonight. You're heading up there, ain't you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm trying to deflect this. Like, I don't want to go. I'm not feeling it that day. Just got off work. I hate everything. And he calls me back. And he's like, hey, name's on the list. See you at 730. Hmm. Click. 
I call him back like 20 times. He don't answer. Maybe 30. Finally, I messaged his son. Hey, dude. What are y'all doing? He was like, we're waiting on you. I'm like, ah. Here I go. I'm going. I'm going up tonight. This is the first time for me. I'm going. This is October 19th or something. Last year. And uh, I got up and I told about three or four jokes. Everybody loved it. Like, everybody really loved it. They laughed their butts off. When I got off the stage, Rick was like, that was his first time, guys. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> this dude, Yoshi. You know Yoshi at all? He's a black guy comedian from from Atlanta. He's an awesome dude. He gets up. He's like, was that really your first time ever? And I was like, yeah. He was like, wow, incredible. But he said this right, right then and there. It was like all the times. Because people think, well, you're bragging. You're bragging. You're bragging. You're bragging. You're bragging. No, I'm not bragging. I'm showing you receipts of myself. Right. I'm showing receipts to myself of myself mm-hmm. for getting past bullshit, for getting past things and hard things and all the things, right? But what was I saying about before that? I'm sorry. So you're talking about how how you got into stand-up? Well, I was, but what about like the, the, the what was I saying about it? I got a little crazy there. I'm sorry. So you, he signed you up for an open mic and he did, you did he your did. first spot? It was great. It was really great. And I knew right then that you just need to learn this art, dude, because there's an art to this. You have to learn this art if you want to do this. So I started watching hella people all the time, all the time, all the time. And I always kept finding myself watching Eddie Murphy's Delirious. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible stand-up comedian. Even if it was at that time. I watched George Carlin. I watched Richard Pryor. And that, that's not why I go dirty. I relate to them because they are screwed-up individuals. And you got a life. It's not, it's not, it's not, you don't got to be, you don't got to be clean. You know who has the most filthiest mouth that you probably never would think of? Who? Sinbad. Oh, bro. He, I watched this stand-up, bro. My, let, alive. Me you, let me tell you something. Offstage, Sinbad does not talk like that at all. I bet. He's a really nice guy. He acts. like he does. He, like, he's, a, he's a good guy. But he said he cursed like maybe like a thousand times. Yeah, I watched him live, man, in Nashville, Tennessee years ago, he, dude. He's so funny, so hilarious. My buddy opens up for him. What's his name? His name is Caleb Elliott. He's a black dude with uh, long hair. I never he's seen from him. North Carolina. He's from North Carolina. Sinbad took him on the road when he was 15 years old. Well, he, he started opening up for Sinbad when he came north from 15. Then when he got like 20, Sinbad sent him some suitcases and goes, get ready, it's time to travel. <sighs> so we that's my favorite comic, one of Sinbad's. And he was the man, though. Yeah, and he's still hilarious. And he, yeah. he's, he gave me some game because my boy, I wanted to meet Sinbad the right way. Yeah. But my aunt was coming in from D.C., and that's her favorite comic. Yeah. And I tell my aunt, I can't make it to the Sinbad show because I got my show, my own show tonight, but I'll try to come by at the end to see you guys. Show's over. I came at the end. Sinbad's taking pictures, and my aunt goes, Sinbad, uh-uh, hold on, Sinbad. There goes my nephew right there. He's a stand-up comedian, too. Come here, Jared. Come here. Come here. Let's <laughs> take a picture of Sinbad. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't no, no, no. Get, 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 get over here. So I go over there. We take a picture of Sinbad. Sinbad goes like this. He points to his boy Caleb. Like I said, it was just me and Caleb having me cool. We met in North Carolina. He goes, Caleb, you know him? And Caleb goes, yeah, he's funny. And he goes, all right, Caleb is cool with you. I'm good with you too. And then Sinbad's telling me stories about like Bill Cosby's telling me stories about Richard Pryor. He's telling stories about George Carlin. And he says something that's really dope. I asked him, I was like, Sinbad, who's your class of comedians? And he goes, all my classic comedians are the greatest comedians of all time. Dude. <laughs> just just the best the best times. You can't make that stuff up. Yeah, you know? man. Honestly, I can't wait until. I met Eddie Murphy. That's, isn't that awesome, though? Because I, 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 would, I would love to meet him and talk to him, but he's so far out there that I, you, I would never get a personal conversation, but I would just want one. Because you don't understand how much I looked up to Cam Bertrand. He's 26, yeah. bro. This kid's 26. 
I was there. I was remember when he started. I know, bro. When I know I say, you do. When I say Cam, I was coming back from Tampa from Orlando, and me and Cam pretty much came up together because I was a college comic and he was a new comic, and we pretty much learned the club scene together. Yeah. And it's dog and doggy where I remember it'd be all like, you open, I close, I'll close you. I've seen him literally work his way up. Yeah. And it's not, I'm, I'm never going to say it's surprising because I knew, I, I know that he was going to be this. Yeah. We first came to New York together. We both, we hustled at Dangerfields and they go, I, we can't put both of you guys up. Only one per comic can go up. Yeah. And he goes, I'll put up. If one of you do well, the other one can go up. And we just looked at each other and we just rock, paper, scissors because we're like, we were so confident in each other. I was like, I know if he goes up, I'm going up. If I go up, I know he's going yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how it was. That's dope, It was dude. a freaking swamp. So all those guys that you come up with is just like, when people tell me about Cam, I was like, yeah, I expected that. Yeah. You know, when I meet people and they're just like, oh, it's like Cam's my, oh, Cam's your boy. And people's like, yo, do you know Jared? It's like, yeah. So it's just like where we came up, our open mic scene was just like we all had each other. We was only five of us. Yeah. Because everyone else was higher than us. Yeah. Everyone others lower us. And it was just us five at the open mics. Like how we like tagging each other up. I got this tag for you. I got this tag for yeah. you. Yeah. And that's how we did it. I love it. that you guys do that, bro. I almost feel like accepted but not accepted because I know I got to <laughs> do a lot of work. With, I got to put a lot of work in before I get into that club. I get it. But, but it's not even a club. It's just like a thing no, that we. No, it's a club that's not even spoke about. Strength and numbers. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do, man. Strength and numbers. What are the, the Bible says iron shines, iron sharpens iron. Yeah, man. So no when doubt. you're iron, you can only sharpen other iron. So I'm just like, yo, I'll take a tag from him. And I was like, we would always just, as soon as I finish my set, I know he's listening. Yeah. You know, our winning cams on stage, we're shushing everybody at the open mic. Now, when I'm on stage, I like, go, yo, chill, I'm listening. Yeah, of course, of course. Freaking, whenever I got to talk to him on the phone, um, I was like, I just messaged him out of nowhere. I was like, hey, bro, you're playing side splitters a lot. We're going to play side splitters. Do you want to come get on the show? And he was like, yeah, I don't mind middling that show for y'all. And where I was going to get him to try to open. <laughs> Knee slapper. Watching this dude work this weekend, bro. I had no shot of that. You feel me? Yeah. Homeboy is a He's killer on stage, dude. Straight samurai. To get to do this show with him when he said he would do it, uh, we signed up Tampa. Then I hit him up and I said, hey, man, will you do more shows with me? He was like, absolutely, dude. I was like, cool. And we signed up this one. And then Atlanta. And then the next one. So I'm, I couldn't have worked out any better that he come up and just murdered it last night because it helped him. It gave him, a, you know, he didn't need, need any confidence, but it gave him a, a, a spoon full of what he needed Yeah. Uh, to be back on stage and breathe like that, like in a good. He's It's, it's me, him, this guy named Jonas. Yeah, you guys yeah. are just incredible people. <laughs> I really like you guys. I think it's that we just had to, you know, we all we all love each other differently. Yeah. You know, Cam was like young, but I remember him not being old enough to get into this comedy club because he wasn't 21. Yeah. So we'd have to do his open mics. He would tell jokes and go way back outside. Yeah. And then I <laughs> I remember just uh, me and him, I forgot, some we would always hang out at the clubs and me and him would be the ones talking to all the headliners. Like, all right, what do you think about this? We would tag up a headliner. Like, oh, yeah. man, you guys really love comedy. He's like, yeah, we love comedy. What's up? Yeah. And, like, at all the comics that went, he was the one that went to New York with me. My favorite thing about both of you guys, absolute favorite thing, obviously, outside of who you guys are in your existence, is that at the end of my set, both nights, the negative feedback, quote, unquote, which is there, it was none. It was all positive. Um, but even if it had a, any remotely slightly negativeness to it which was none you guys were like 
hey, bro, we tagged you up right here. This is what you got to say on this next one. This is what you got to say. And I was like, daggone. What's the first thing I did? And I used to say, hey, bro, pick somebody. Get them, get them, get them. And it wasn't something that you tagged me up on a joke, but you still, I use that term all the time. So when you said it, I was like, Poof. I already knew what you said. I know what y'all are saying. Tagging and riffing and all that stuff. So we say all this. I watch other comics all the time. I think it's an art form of Southern people. Southern comics do this thing where we understand that when people pay money, it's a show. Yeah. Right? So connecting with a person is something. You know, so even if you're talking to somebody in the crowd, they feel like he's talking to me. I need to listen. Right. He makes me feel like I'm a part of it. So even if I'm I'm telling a joke, I'll be like, I'm appointed to that person. You understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Come on, come on. What about you? Hey. Or sometimes before COVID, I would punch, give somebody a fist pound. I'm like, all right, I need you to be with me. Fist pound everything else. So I learned that art form from being with like older comics. Yeah. Some of the comics that, you know, they might not be famous, but they'll beat the road up and they show you like the class and the art form. But sometimes you'll hit a glass ceiling. I hit a glass ceiling in Tampa where I was like, I can't wait anymore i gotta go to the mac i gotta go to new york and that's just my path my path is different you don't have to go anymore you can pop from facebook just like you yeah you can pop by facebook and sell out shows on the road yeah you know? a lot of a lot of people that come up like you though that's what i was trying to get at you give me those tags and stuff at the end huge move dude on your part because you're not a badge protector Vinny, the dude that gave me this show he's really big like he could have told me hell no dude yeah i messaged mark norman dude the ovon all the everybody that I could think of that I would want to do a show with and was like, hey, this is me. This is my page. We do that, but can you give me a look, man? Maybe I can open up for you. You don't even got to pay me. I'll, I'll show up wherever you're out. I don't care if Vegas, Alaska, wherever. I'll get there. Vinny hit me back. First, Donnie Baker hit me back and was like, yeah, you can get on show with me. So like, you get 10 minutes down there at improv. Then he hits me back again. He's like, I'll give you 30 minutes. They said you can do 30 minutes down there in front of me. It's just me and you. I'm like, cool, dude, really? So I get to do that, right? And then Vinny hits me back and he's like, hey, Joey, how you doing? I was like, good, man, I'm trying to do some shows up there. I got a little bit of following up there. Where I thought I could sell some tickets, he's like, all right. I talked to him on a Wednesday, first time ever. I did a show with him last week on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. I flew up and did a show with him on a Sunday. He freaking flew me up and put me on his Vinny and Vicky show live. And then he booked me for these. But then he would push me on the Pete. Now, I, got to, I want to address this part with the Pete thing because I don't put too much. I don't, it's, it's another person to me. Mm -hmm. I used it that night because I was drunk. And why I'm not going to ever do that again, I'm telling you I'm not doing that again. That's good. I can't. I won't. I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't mad at that dude, Pete. or any. I was, I was mad because I, I wasn't important enough to freaking not bump, man. On my very first day, I was going to headline. I wanted to headline the day before Cam because I wanted Cam to see it. And I wanted right. him to give me pointers for tonight. Well, and it is, didn't well, happen, well, and I was well, mad. You got to think, you gotta well, think about Let's talk about what I did, though. Okay. I, 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 I put a picture up of me, drunk, looking like an idiot, a moron on my page in front of 50,000 people, mm -hmm. and tagged Pete Davison in it, and said, hey, Pete, I'm the dude up on the balcony you were talking shit to. Bad move, yeah. Your show sucked. Oh, that's... Take care. Send. Went to bed. Woke up the next day sober. What did I do? I see a video of this dude took my phone, and we walk around the streets, and he's telling me all this stuff. Vinny. Then I go to the Facebook and notifications, and it's all of Pete's fans eating me up, calling me a pussy. <laughs> Laugh, because it's funny. You know it's funny. <laughs> what a dumbass yeah, I am yeah. to do something. So I deserved everything I got, emotions and everything included. So I didn't drink the next day. So I did my very first set sober yesterday and did horrible. I'm going to say two things, right? Two things, especially when you get inside this business, you're going to start realizing it's nothing personal. 
But the big fish right. eat the small fish. Right. You know, even though we're big fish outside of comedy, mm-hmm. in life you're a big fish. Mm-hmm. But in this comedy game, sometimes small fish, minnows, I've, baby. I've seen headlining comedians get bumped for Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Get paid out. It's Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I've seen Chris Rock come to places. Everyone's off the show because it's Chris Rock time. Right. So Pete Davidson's a star. Right. Absolutely. You so know? that's where we, I was like, the thing what? about we don't get it is because we're older. I literally know? put hashtag I want the smoke. Huh? Yeah, you were. Yeah, definitely. But that's 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 being green a little bit, being green and being more emotional. Sometimes you what don't a wanna, dummy though, right? dude. You don't want to burn bridges like that. Now I don't know. Pete Davidson probably saw. He probably didn't see it. He's not on Instagram or Facebook well, like that. Well, even worse than that though, all the people went on their freaking page and put that stuff in their comments. Like Joey was better. You shouldn't have bumped it. And I'm like, no, dude. I did this. I started this because yeah. I'm not better than Pete. Facts. Yeah. Pete's a star, right? I was right. drunk. I'm looking at my 50,000 followers thinking that I'm swolled up in the fucking penis or something probably. Mm-hmm. I'm just the man. And I'm like, they're feeding me shots up there, like free shots. And I don't do the shots. But you, the, that's your whole life is about evolving. Right. You know, you're doing something brand new. Right. This is brand new year, year in. So now you're right. learning and you got to think about it. You want a cam to watch your set. But God willing, it happened to be like cam calls me. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Right. You know? Right. Who would have thought? I Me, mean, I never turned down shows in New York. I had a whole bunch of my yeah. show in Queens and everything else. I was like, I'll go. Yeah. You want to do a Saturday? Yeah, I'll do a Saturday. And I was like, yeah. And I watched your set and I was like, all right, so here's some things. Yeah. You know, and you got more shows of Cam to happen. Yeah. So it does, you know. We do, but it, honestly, dude, it was like, <laughs> what a dummy. You can't take back anything. That's what I'm big on is once you make the mistake, own that bad boy and whatever you happens. You can't write your wrongs. You can only acknowledge it and move on. That's and right. Whatever happens, dude. Called Vinny the next day. I said, "Hey man, I can't apologize enough. I don't know what, to, what, what do you want to tell you, bro. I'm sorry." Crossing my eyes when I'm saying it and everything. All right, this is what we got. We got these hilltop questions, right? You can answer these however you want them. Yeah. They could be. They could be. They could be one. They could be a, a soliloquy. It could be whatever you want. All right. We're All about right. to be at the end here. This is yeah. This is towards well, the end. Well, we need to. We got to get a flight right here. I got to get. Oh yeah, flight. we got driving like. I can Uber, man. I just this is money, man. I'll drive. Yeah. No worries. We got to go to New York anyway. Yes, you're going home. Yeah. All right. Uh, question number one. Do you believe in God? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Do you have a favorite person in the Bible? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the, um, I don't know his name uh, specifically. I think he was one of Jesus' homeboys, but he was a ruffian. Uh, a lot of rough ones. Was it well, Thomas? Oh, uh, no. Was, who, who's Job? Oh, jo- oh, Job. He wasn't a disciple, but Job. He who was the one that? that lost. He lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his kids because God... At, made him lose it though. He made yeah, him lose it, he but he showed him. Trying to know, test him, testing yeah. you and over and over. Joke. Never gave up. Never gave up. That's my favorite character in the Bible. Okay. Do you have a favorite verse? No. When's the last time you had a nightmare? No, it was probably about a week and a half ago. What was that about? It was about being late. I can't remember what I was doing, but I was just so late and so upset about it, so mad because I'd gotten drunk. Uh, what's your biggest fear in life? The drowning. Mm. When's the last time you had a panic attack? Uh, that was probably about three and a half years ago. Driving to work one day, I'd smoked too much weed that morning and got in my head. It was bad, and um, that's when I had it. It was horrible. I never, I only had four in my life. Wow. Do you believe in soulmates? I absolutely believe in soulmates. Absolutely believe in soulmates. I don't believe they have to be intimate in your life. I don't believe you have to have sex with the soulmate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the term, I don't know if that's what that means. I mean, you can find somebody that you share your vibe with in this life, whether it be a best friend for your entire life, mm-hmm. 
Um, that's pretty much what it would be to me. Like a soulmate, people want to meet their soulmate and have this intimate relationship and marry their soulmate. Um, my soulmate, what is it? What is the book term? So I'm not sounding like real weird. Like what is no, it? No, it's 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 all up to your interpretation. Don't so my interpret. All right, so perfect. You. Then so a soulmate for me would be like my ex-wife is my soulmate now. Mm. She doesn't know that. She might know that. I call her when everything is freaking screwed up. Like, it's done. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I got to call somebody. She always answers. It's not anything intimate. We're not like that anymore. It's just that's the person I can call when all things are jacked. Cause she's been my friend for such a long time. Right. And, um, yeah, that's the one I really care. Like, so it's it's her in between her and my and my daughter as far as, like, actually just connected and will never disconnect from them no matter what what does a father mean to you what does it mean to be a father to be a father to me um absolutely means to do your 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 best to your caliber your your sole responsibility is to um i seen a clip one time with denzel washington Mm -hmm. you've seen it when he's in the front porch and he tells him he said i don't have to do anything like i don't have to do whatever I, i don't have to um love you or anything all i have to do is feed you and do this and do that and blah blah blah. he's talking to his kid i can't remember what movie he's from fences or something hidden fences yeah and um i get that portion of what of what a father is there but as being a girl dad so to speak i got the two girls it's different than trying to do that hard love thing i want them to truly understand perception of problems when you have them and how to address them uh, whether they be anything so my main goal with, with my kids is to let them know that you are going to have problems they're definitely going to happen. They're going to be based on your personality and based on the things that you do. I want you to be able to handle them, dude, and not want to kill yourself. What's the difference between their personalities? What's the oldest one? The oldest one is a book book smart, and she's a lot of fun and everything like that, but she likes to stick to her own. The youngest one is completely like me. Social butterfly will talk and have a full conversation with you for 12 hours, and you're a perfect stranger. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's the two. Two difference. And walk when your when your ex wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. What what was that like? What was the news like when you felt that? I was I honestly and and I wanna I don't wanna get myself into trouble, but I wanna be transparent in thought. I honestly didn't care. Wow. I didn't care. I didn't care because we had built so much anger and hate towards each other that the only thing I could think about was it wasn't like ha ha or nothing like that because that's crazy. I just didn't care. Like I just I was like oh well. You know, like, wow. but I was still hardened at that time. You know, like I didn't understand emotions like I do now. Were you upset the relationship didn't work out? I was upset the relationship didn't work out. I was upset that everything happened the way it did. And it was all me, though. I made a lot of those decisions. And um, but then, well, I, the day she told me, because that was a false lie. The day I found out, I actually found out before she told me. Um, my stepmother told me mm-hmm. and I didn't care. But she had called me on the phone like two days later and was like, um, hey, I got breast cancer and I'm going to die. And I want to know that you and Candace are going to take care of my of Brienne because I was married at the time again, you know. And um, I was like, yeah, 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 no problem, you know, and all this stuff. Then she got better and went to remission. She was going to move down to Georgia and all this stuff. And we were like got into another big fight about where our kids were going to go to school. Like, cause I wanted my oldest to go to school with my youngest. They're the same close age. I mean, where are you going to move to? We're in the same County. Let's, let's, you know, make it where they both can. She didn't move down. Uh, we got this big argument, things like that. And freaking, um, she goes back up. Well then she gets it again. 
And when she gets it again, I completely felt like super bad for her. Mm. I hated it for her, man. I didn't understand it. I even told her, I was like, if I could freaking... She called me when I was down at Hurricane, uh, doing some hurricane relief work, passing out food and stuff and stuff like that down in Florida after that one hurricane hit a couple years ago. And was like, I got it. I got this. It's it's back. But it's metastasized. It's all over my body. And I'm definitely going to die this time. I'm going to try to fight, you know, and all this stuff. And I just remember sitting back for a minute thinking like, ah, dude, I feel so bad. I just wanted to trade spots with her. Because my life, I I divorced. It's kind of like a replica of getting back to my rack. I just felt beaten in weather, but it was all my own self. Right. I just wanted to swap spots with her, man, you know, like, because she didn't deserve it. She's such a good mom to my kid. And um, there was nothing I could possibly do to make it right again, to take back all the things that I'd said to her, all the things I'd done to her. The only thing I could do is just try to love her the best I can. So I tried to raise money for her and do all the things. And then when she passed away, I just hated it, man, for my daughter because my daughter didn't have her and she was such a good mom. And that's where I get mad about, like, people with the whole God thing, man, you know, like, because I know there's a God and I try to stick to it because I know it's it's there. But I'm like, why does the three-year-old get shot, dude? Why does the whole village get AIDS? Why does the earthquake hit the whole country in in Haiti? Why are all these people getting adversities? Is it so they can come up and have a podcast and be stand-up comedians one day and say that they came from this place? Right. Or why is the, my kid's mom have to die or anybody's mom have to die? This other girl, Danielle Gardner, just passed away. She has kids. I went to school with her. Um, another chick, Rachel Pecoraro's got horrible cancer. She's, you know, fighting like hell trying to, to, to get there. Um... My other ex-wife, Candace, her grandmother, breast cancer, stuff like that. I, just, I don't see that to be fair a lot of times, and that's why I try to embrace my existence and why I go so hard to the paint on everything that I do right. is because it's going to be over one day. I have little pains in my body. I'm, I wonder if it's cancers and things. and You never know, man, uh, it, when it's going to happen and, and, and if and when. Because like, nobody's above tragedy or below it. Nobody, it's, It can happen to anybody. I always say God's got a crazy sense of humor. You know, they rip your arm off. Take your, take your kids away from you. Just destroy your life. I've seen people go and be mad at God for the rest of their life. Because something happened to them. They didn't understand it. And I'm trying to understand it for them. And I don't understand it. Yeah. Oh, I just keep trying to exist. Do what I do. Day by day. Day by day. Before we get out of here, when's the last time you spoke to your mother? My real mother? Real mom. I told you earlier when we were talking a little bit, actually. It's been 30, 30, uh, 30 years. 31 years. 30, 30, 32 years. If you could speak to her, what would you tell her? I'd be like, I love you. Do you forgive her? Yeah. Do you think she... I would, want, I would want somebody to forgive me. Do you think she understands that now? Or that's what you think she's hiding from her forgiveness? I don't know. I really don't know. You don't know where she is in this world at all? No, nah, not at all. I'm I'm still mad at her, but like I'd still tell her I love her. I would tell her I'd love her, and and I would forgive her, but I wouldn't. She doesn't own any territory on this land. Would and what about your dad? Same. Would you want your kids to have a relationship with your parents? They do. 
uh, with my not not my real mom, obviously, but my I'm 100 percent behind it. I'm always I, I even call my daughter and be like, hey, it's, it's Pop's birthday today. Okay. Hit him up. But your mom, though, would you? Uh, how would you? Would you monitor your mother's relationship with your daughter? Absolutely. I've watched her do bad stuff, homie. Yeah, I understand. I can't can't happen. So right. I got to protect this at all costs. Of course, I get online and talk about smoking weed. I get online and talk about banging girls. I know it's crazy, right? Yeah. But imagine how I got to explain this to my kids. Yeah, yeah. They said, Dad, why you do that? So this is who Dad is, period. Like, yeah. I don't lie to nobody about who I am. I did that plenty in my life, and I don't got to. I'm just at a season right now. Now, this is the last question. This last question is a serious question, right? This question mm -hmm. is called, who are you? The goal is to go beyond your name. So, for example, like if I say, who are you? I'm going to say, my name is Jared Waters. Who are you? Stand-up comedian. Who are you? A friend. Who are you? Two-time wrestling champion. Who are you, brother? The whole goal is to go beyond Joey Leonard. Mm -hmm. Who are you? Lost. Who are you? I'm a hustler. Who are you? I'm, 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 uh, man, that's a good one. I'm a father, no doubt. Who are you? Oh. Uh, Never on time. Who are you? I see what you're getting at here. Uh, I just that's it, bro. Lost and never on time, man. Just trying to make it. Just to go. I mean, your number, your name, your answer is going to change. The goal is to go beyond ourselves. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. But to you, that's who what I, you. Uh, who who am I? All right, let me let me let me answer it the way I think you want to hear. For real, like who am I? For real, who am no, I? No, it's, it's it's however you want to answer. No, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it just we'll like do I it think. one more time. Ready? Yeah. Who are you? I am. I'm, I'm. I am the best father for my kids. Who are you? I am a stand-up comedian. Who are you? I was uh, a construction worker, but now I am um, on my path to being a, a motivational speaker. Who are you? I am uh, a good dude inside. You know, like when I really want to be. Yeah. Who are you? Uh, somebody who gives more than I get. Who are you? I don't know what to say, bro. This is the last question. If someone pulled up your time capsule, right, and they're reading your story and they read the Joey Leonard book, mm -hmm. what would you want them to say about you? He was what? He was all right, man. He was all right, man, because, you know, my drill sergeant told me. No matter what, if somebody knows you, they're going to say one or two things about you. That's it. Yeah. There ain't no between. He's a piece of crap or that's a good person. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jared Waters. This is the podcast One Man, One Tree in a Hill. And we have our special guest, Mr. Joey Leonard. How can they find you, sir? Average Joey on Facebook, at Grunt Life on uh, Instagram. And you, my phone number is 470-622-0578. You can call me anytime you have any problems in your life. I'll answer it. I uh, I, I try to do, I'm, when I say that, I mean that. Anybody can call me if you got problems. That's dope. And I, and I listen. I put it on my Facebook page for everybody that call me. I talk to them. I talk to people in London. Uh, UK, Australia, having problems. I talked to a guy who had child support issues. I said, hey, man, maybe too, me too one time. Make sure you guys add plus one if you're calling from WhatsApp. Yeah, that's cool, man. Country coach. No doubt. I appreciate you having me on here, dude. Hey. I really do. That's dope. I got to say a lot of stuff that I didn't want to say, actually. But that's cool. But it's, 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 once I feel like, you know, you're, you're not a complex person, but you're a person who lived in different universes that makes you you.
Mm-hmm. You know, your path is completely different than everyone else's path. And when people go to your motivational speaking, when they realize, like, mm-hmm. you're speaking from experience. Yeah. You can speak from heartbreak because you've been heartbroken. You're speaking from pain because you know what pain is like. You're speaking from what's like to be a good father because you experience what it's like about different parenting. So yeah. this makes you. Yeah. You know, and eventually you're going to get on stage and start talking about these type of pains. The reason why Richard Pryor is so great is because he stripped himself open. Yeah, of course. He stripped himself completely open, and we understood, we knew exactly who Richard Pryor was. Yeah, man. That's why everyone writes books about Richard, because he told so much information about us. Yeah, that's good. You did uh, wrestling? You're two-time champion? Two-time wrestling champ, yeah. My man. State champ? 160. I, I wrestled in Europe. I was a European champion, and I won in Tokyo. Dude, I knew you had it in you. Yeah. I was like, he's the guy. Yeah, head and arm. Head and arm. Switched to the half. Yeah. No, I'm saying he's a guy. He'll get you if you ain't looking. <laughs> right, go ahead and say something to him. He's trying to be nice. He's telling you about. You can't tell by his tone. I can tell by your tone. Like Dusty uh, Rhodes. Yeah, he put a, hot, uh, times. hot times. Hot times. Hey, Dusty Rhodes. American Dream. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, listen to the podcast. Have a wonderful day, night, whenever you listen to this podcast. See you. It was a good man. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Say what up to the people. This is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I say, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say, man, you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. You gotta break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. And then I said, and I said, uh, uh-uh, and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters. And I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.